Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 74, AOC and civility politics. Activist and comrade Lucy, along with others, confronted AOC on Saturday at her town hall in the Bronx. Robbie and Batya from the Hills Rising discussed the need to be more civil to politicians, even when you disagree with them. Is there a certain amount of gatekeeping and tone policing on the left? Why or why not? Let's go ahead. I see we already got people lined up in the queue. I'm going to go ahead and start with Brent. You are on the mic. Hi, Savvy. Hello. How are you? Good, good. So um, to answer your question, yes, because um, I was on Breeze uh, Colin and I asked her about Ryan Grimm. I asked her, do you believe he is basically uh, a tool for progressive politicians to um, to protect them from criticism? And she basically went off and told me how she has to be not she didn't use the word civil, but she has to be, um, I don't know, like cordial or professional because she works with Ryan Grimm. And she interacts with him on probably a daily basis. So um, I feel like there's she she can't criticize as much as she wants to or probably should because of her relationships. And I feel that's a problem because um, people criticize Jimmy Dore all the time for being using the F word and screaming and shouting. And they use that to discredit him when his argument itself is very sound when it comes to force of vote or um compromise youtube podcasters and i'm not i'm not shading you sad because you, i'm not talking about you but people like kyle kalinsky and people like that so civility politics is definitely a part of is definitely a problem and to answer your other question about aoc um She's very um, all about the money, all about the status, the stable paycheck. I don't think she was ever interested in being a politician. And she's doing everything she can to stay in power. So if that means sucking up to certain people, she will do that. And she will fool many people because she talks well. And she claims that she's she's come from a poor background, which to me shouldn't matter because she's already been in office for a few years now and she hasn't done anything so it doesn't matter where she whether she's working class or she's a quote-unquote nepo baby it doesn't matter um so that's basically what i wanted to say yeah um two things here uh, she's actually from a suburban neighborhood outside of new york city so she she ran with that message that like she was from the Bronx and she grew up working class and things like that. And I, I think I've told you guys about this before that her father was president of that architecture company that he worked at. So like she, she was middle-class like, yes, her mom did used to like clean houses, but her father was the president of the architecture firm. And that's how she was able to get into a school like Boston university because of her zip code and having worked at BU, I know which zip codes they recruit from. So the people that are recruited from the Bronx to go to BU, those are the people coming from the math and science school at the Bronx. So, you know, there's there's some there were some 
do I want to call them fibs? <laughs> there were some inconsistencies uh, about her background. And there were some things that she said that she put in her, her summary about her background when she was started to run for Justice Democrats that were not, not completely true, but it was something that would sell. And so there was exaggeration there uh, to go along with that as well. Um, in, in reference to what you were saying about um, the civility politics, yeah, it's it's really annoying, I think. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like, if you try to get access to politicians, if you are mean towards them, they're less likely to give you access. And, and that's just the reality of the situation. But what I will say is that I think for like someone like Lucy, who canvassed for AOC and lives in AOC's district, I think that people have reached a breaking point. And I think Lucy was one of those people that reached a breaking point. Again, like this is someone, I know Lucy, she's an activist. I met her over the summer at Camp Dada with other activists as well. Like she's not one of those people that is focused on trying to make like her show a career. She's not one of those people at all. She's a, another person who was an activist and said, okay, yeah, my voice should be heard. So I'm gonna start this YouTube channel. Um, so this is someone where I feel like she's felt the frustration um, and this is someone that she really believed in and to the point where she was willing to volunteer for AOC's campaign and she's seen the changes and she's she, she's seen how AOC is not who she said that she was. Meanwhile, the people in the district are still struggling and still suffering. And so I think for when you get to that point where you reach that breaking point, at some point or another, it's just when you've tried everything else, like what else are you supposed to do? And I think the disappointment that I have with Robbie and Batya is that they didn't even reach out to Lucy to bring her on the show to hear what she had to say. And I think that should have been number one, the first step. That's one of the first things I do. If I, I see these videos where people are doing those kind of things, the first thing I do is reach out to that individual to see if they can come on. Now, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes I hear back. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes people will only go on the larger shows. That's just the reality of the game. Uh, but to me, it's just they made assumptions about her instead of just talking to her and, and hearing from her per se. They made assumptions that she hadn't already tried everything else. She's done those civil things. Like she wrote letters to AOC's office. She's called AOC's office. And like, I knew about it because again, I, I know her. And when she was doing these things, she was telling me about, it, so I knew these things were happening. So she tried doing it the civil way. So it just reached a breaking point where it's like, no, I'm just gonna have to shout over the people to make my voice heard. And it's unfortunate that that is the state of politics for a lot of the politicians in this country, not all of them. There are some that will still, you know, regularly engage with their constituents. But for the most part, based on what I've seen for the ones that are in D.C., that's not so much the case. Robbie, I think, does not have much room to talk about civility. I, I'm in California, uh, Southern California, and I meet a lot of these people who, who, uh, demand to be people to be civil and professional but behind closed doors these people are the most despicable racist people i've ever met in my life like i cannot like rob uh, you watch segment with robbie about the the shooting of the 13 year old child i think that sh that shows his true colors it's not about c civility it's just a cover to um 
to hide people's BS. Um, I don't think he's real truly, if he's truly concerned about being civil, that he should have been, he should have agreed with Bree about that, with the argument with the shooting of the 13 year old child. He should have been about condemning that homeowner or that, that killer and demanding that the, the legal system play out rather than people taking um, law into their own hands. So I think Robbie is the last person who should be demanding civility. And um, I meet too many of these people in California that they, they present, present themselves so well. They, they, they act, they pretend like they're, they're so professional, but yet they're complaining. They, they, um, they're implicit racist. Like I, I, I'm thinking of one example, um, like in high school, affirmative action is always the quote unquote nasty topic. And whenever it comes up, people are, they, 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 they throw shade at people who benefit from it by saying, Oh, I, I, uh, I prefer to uh, go to college by earning it. That type of race, implicit racism comes from these, these, I don't want to say white because I meet people of all races that are just like Robbie. That they 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 pretend that they're all about civility, professionalism. They say all the right things. They they um they read the right books. They they quote Martin Luther King or whatever. And then but behind the scenes, they're just ugly people. So mm. I don't think Robbie has any room to um demand civility from Lucy or from anyone. Mm, interesting. And it's always one of the things that I'm asking too is like. Who is the person that decides what's civil and what's not civil? Like, why are they, you know, why are they being the gatekeeper over, you know, t the tones, like, and, and the tone policing? It's just, I, I think for me, I think when Batya said that, oh, this just made me feel uncomfortable, I almost felt sorry for AOC. Why do you feel sorry for AOC? She's a politician, she's making six figures, and she's letting her constituents down. Why do you feel sorry for her? Right, no, right. It's a wrong response. You should feel sorry for the constituents who have basically been played by AOC and haven't received anything in return. Those are the people that you should feel sorry for, not the politician who's making six figures and who played everybody. Gosh, AOC, she's wearing, she's, she goes to these parties, tax the rich, and she has so, like a, basically someone that looks like a slave carrying her dress. It's just, it's, it's just unbelievable how people could fall for her her eloquent speaking and they don't see what a phony she is. She's, she became a politician for the money and, and the, and the status. That's all she cares about. And nobody should feel sorry for her. I hear you, Brent. I hear you. Yeah. It's, I, I really do think that I want us to be careful not to get to a point in this country where certain people cannot because this is where we're headed where certain people cannot be criticized right so it starts off with you criticize them incorrectly you did it the wrong way then it will move from that to how dare you criticize our congresswoman how dare you criticize our president and i've seen this happen before and it's just that just because they have this title that they can't be critiqued like no they need to do their job and if they can't do their job then step aside and let somebody else come in that will actually do the job but i think I think that 
you know, as Lucy said, when she came on tonight, like she only had a short amount of time to get out what she needed to get out. And it's easy to say to people, especially if you haven't been to those town halls, I've been to town halls. And by the way, I've been to, I went to a town hall once in Boston. And if they think that Lucy was not being civil, come to a town hall in Boston <laughs> where the whole idea is, yes, there's a microphone and you're supposed to get up and walk up to the microphone and speak. But it's Boston and people here just don't people here just just do not put up with bullshit. They don't. So I've gone to town halls before where I've seen people stand up right in the audience and just say, I'm not paying this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen these things happen. I've seen it happen with uh, Mayor Michelle Wu as well. She's another one where like. People got tired of her bullshit and they called her out on it. So that's why I said the way that Lucy approached AOC, that was actually one of the more calmer approaches that I've seen compared to some of the other videos. And they had to criticize that. And so I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like some of the language really bothered me. Like to hear Batya say, you know, I'm tired of these videos. Like I'm tired of, why are you tired? How is it affecting you? You're not AOC. I think she might be, I don't know, influenced by AOC, the way she ta presents herself. Like the way AOC talks. I mean, many people here in California, they're fans of AOC because she presents herself well. She, she talks good and people fall for it. And they get uh, subconsciously, subconsciously maybe, they feel like, oh, this is a, this is a good person because she dresses well. She presents herself well. And just like Obama, the eloquent speaking, people fall for it. I mean, but I, I think people, I think more people are waking up because I don't know if I, I told you guys this, but I did see recently. Did you guys know that DSA has lost over 12,000 members over the past year? And, oh, wow. and, and AOC really is their brand. Like she was like their fire brand, like Jamal Bowman, you know, but they said some things about Jamal Bowman at one point, they were thinking about getting rid of him um, from DSA, removing him. So I don't know if I'll go with him per se, but AOC really is their fire brand for DSA. She really is her and Bernie Sanders, their membership increased rapidly when Bernie Sanders first announced his first presidential campaign and continued when he announced his second uh, campaign. So without those names attached to DSA, it's just a social club. And so I, I think that's that's another thing, too, is like people are starting to wake up because like the memberships are dropping and people are like, what the hell? Like, you're a strike breaker. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no love for you, but no love. Okay. So um, one more thing before I leave. Um, there have been two mass shootings in California in the past three days, um, what is your position on um, gun control? Should all guns be banned? Should there be no ban on guns at all in between? What's your position on that? I don't believe in banning all guns, even though I actually don't like guns myself. Like, that's just my personal choice. Like, I'm not a gun owner. I don't care to be a gun owner. I just don't like guns. Um but I don't think that all guns should be banned. I believe in the Second Amendment. I think people should be able to exercise uh, that right. That being said, though, I think we need to look a little bit deeper and find out why this continues to happen more so in this country as compared to other countries. 
And I think like some of these issues people can point to and they can say that they're mental health related. Yeah, I can see that as well. But I, I think it's deeper than that. I think it's this country, though. You know, we're not the only country where people have mental health issues, but it's significantly higher in the United States. And I think we need to do a deep dive into that and find out why. Why this country? Why is this country so violent? I don't know. I think maybe people, they, they're so, uh, they look to violence as like one of the first instincts rather than the last one. Like, let's, I mean, I could, off the top of my head, I think of like, oh, you insult my mom. I'm, I will beat you up or um, you, I don't know. That's just one example. Like violence is seen as a, like a, a realistic solution to people's uh, arguments or, or confrontations. And I think that's probably it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer to this, but that's just, I have to look into the more recent shooting that just happened. Um, I know JB covered the first one, but I have to look into the more recent one um, to find Which out one? the backstory there. Uh, JB covered the Mon the Monterey, Monterey Park. Yeah, yeah, I live an hour from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's really uh, you know it's gotten to the point now where like this has become normalized in this country. Because we're so used to it, it happens so much. If I, I talk to friends of mine that live abroad, they're just like, I just don't understand why it happens this way in your country. When I lived in Germany, I never heard about this. We didn't have mass shootings. Like, this is just, it's insane to me. It's insane. And I think, you know, when we go back to the mental health issue, again, what do we not have in this country that some of those other European countries have? We don't have universal health care for everyone. So even if someone is struggling with a mental health issue, if you don't have health insurance or you have health insurance that doesn't cover mental health, how are you supposed to get help? How are you supposed to get treatment? So that's a problem there in itself. But then also, like, people are kind of losing it because of wealth inequality as well. I mean, look, capitalism is a big problem. It's a big problem. In this country, it's the haves and the have-nots. The middle class is dwindling away. It's continuing to shrink and shrink. And the working class population has increased. And the poor population has increased in this country. And I think there needs to be a study done on that. I think people really need to take a deep look at that. Like, why are people doing what they're doing? Why are people willing to risk their life to just, you know, take away other people's lives and risk their life in doing so. Why are people willing to do that? Like what, what is really happening? So I think for me, it all goes back to capitalism. And I don't know how everybody that's listening feels about that. But for me, that's what it all goes back to. Right, you know, right. Because I heard the Monterey uh, Park shooter I heard he was divorced, so maybe the losing the money f to the ex-wife, maybe that pissed him off so much that he wanted to take revenge. I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, but we, we just don't know. But I do think that the two shooters were Asian. I'm Asian, and I have a pretty good I idea as to the way th these Asian men, especially the ones that came, f that immigrated from Vietnam or uh, China, I feel like they have a, 
a big ego. I mean, that that's not limited to Asian people, but um, I, from my experience, I feel like the Asian men, they have a big ego when a woman stands up to them. And because they feel like the woman has their place in on the totem pole and the men feel like they should always be above it. So when I heard that the Monterey Park shooter was divorced, it got me thinking maybe the wife did something where she made the, the guy feel so quote unquote low that um, made him so angry that he lost all rational thought. And decide just to kill, try to kill her and all people associated with her. I mean, that's just my theory as to why he would do such a, frankly, evil thing. So It's really sad. There's a lot of hatred in this country, too. Yeah. There's just a lot of hate. I mean, why did Dylan Roof walk into a church in Charleston, South Carolina and kill, what, nine black people who were just having church? You know, there's, right. there's a lot of hate in this country and, and it's just, I don't necessarily know how you weed out the hate. Uh, you can start with education, but again, it's like, I feel like if everybody had health care, if everybody had a home, everyone was guaranteed a home, if everyone was guaranteed a job, a good paying job, not just a job that pays like minimum wage, if people had their economic needs met, you would see a decrease in the crime in this country. Right, right. Because if a man who lost, ha or a man or a woman who loses half in a divorce, if they if they are guaranteed certain necessities, they would they wouldn't feel that stress. They would be able to move on better and not resort to um, violence. So, yeah, it's it's really sad. I it is. Oh man. Well, Brent, well thank, thank you. you so um I'll let there's a long line so I'll let I'll I'll hang up. So thank you. All right, thank you so much, Brent. Okay, we are bringing in Miss Robin. Robin, you're on the mic. What's up? Hey, Savvy. Hello, how are you? I am What's your take on this, Robin? I'm sorry, <laughs> what was that? What's your take on this? Oh, okay. Well, let me start off with the gun situation. Um, and before I get into what's going on in Chicago, I want to go back to your story that you did on Alec Baldwin. That's his name, right? Yes. Uh-oh. We're going that. <laughs> right. I'm, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but, you know, I just wanted to give my um, two cents on why he absolutely should be, uh, charged with either involuntary manslaughter or criminally negligent homicide. And here's the thing about that. As someone who, who personally owns firearms, if you have spent 30 minutes in a gun safety class, you're going to learn these four things. And, and three, if he had done even one of the first three things that I'm going to talk about, that person that he killed would be alive today. Number one, you're supposed to treat every gun as if it's loaded. That's the first thing. So, and I mean, and that is, that is not a, just a, oh, well, you know, well, somebody else checked it or whatever, so it must be good. No, when I went through my gun safety class, 
when I was going through for my concealed carry permit here in Texas or whatever, and we would deal with, uh, they would give me literally a plastic gun that was like purple or whatever. You know, you had to treat it like it was it was loaded. And then, mm. and so then if, if somebody racked the gun and then gave you the gun, you still had to rack the gun and check it for yourself to make sure there wasn't around in the chamber as well. Also, you can go to any gun. St- I, I, I challenge anybody to go to a gun store anywhere in America and talk to anybody behind the counter. There would the, the, every person that you talk to is going to tell you somebody has come into their gun store and handed them their gun and said, "Oh, I promise it's unloaded. Every uh, there's nothing in the chamber or whatever." And there were and every person behind that gun counter is going to say, "I have looked in that chamber at least one chamber and found a uh, uh, a round in the chamber every time." You know, so that's why even like with Alec Baldwin said, well, you know, this PA or whoever checked the gun and they said it was, you know, that everything was okay and there was nothing in the chamber. That is not a thing. You have got to look at it for yourself. So you even if somebody gives you a gun and says it's all clear, you still have to look into it for yourself. That's number one. Number two. They teach you, do not point your gun towards anything unless you intend to destroy it. (laughs) So that's, I mean, how basic can that be? You know, so you just can't be, oh, well, I pointed it toward my TV. You know, if you're not looking to tear up your TV or tear up, you know, um, your couch or whatever, you don't point anything to that unless you intend to destroy it. That's number two. Number three. You never put your finger on the trigger unless you're ready to shoot. So -hmm. these are three things that if he had done just one of those things, that woman would still be alive today. And then number four, you know, as they say, when you are going towards your target, you need to not only look at your, consider your target, but what's behind your target. Because hello, you know, bullets go through walls. So, I mean, these are things that you always have to think about. So, again, if he had done one of those things, that woman would still be alive today. She would absolutely still be alive today. So regardless of the situation, those things are supposed to be done because like I I'm not a gun owner. I've never I've never taken a gun safety class or anything like that. So like this is all you know new to me, but. You know, I I was talking to a friend of mine about this and she was pretty adamant on the fact that it was an accident. Why is he charged for an accident? It could have happened to anyone. And I was trying to explain to her. And that's why I was like, I have to. At first, I was like, am I going to cover this story? And then I saw that people just didn't understand. They were like, it was an accident. I don't get this. And I was like, nope, I'm going to have to cover the story, especially when the DA came out with her statement, because what the DA said was he was negligent. And that's why I continue to repeat that specific word, because just because it was an accident doesn't mean he wasn't negligent. It's I mean, I don't I don't know the difference, you know, and each state is different in terms of, you know, invalid involuntary homicide versus criminally negligent homicide. 
I don't know what those, I don't know what uh, uh, involuntary homicide means in Arizona or California or wherever it is. But in terms of criminally negligent homicide, absolutely. If you sit through a 30 minute gun safety class, there is no way you can, I mean, and I know that he's been around guns more than this one set that he, mm-hmm. you know, that he was a producer on, as you said, you know, and, and not be criminally negligent in terms of how he handled that gun. I'm, I, you know, again, like I said, I'm a, um, concealed carry, uh, uh, I have a concealed carry license. They drill that into your head. These four, if you don't know anything else and you, if you can't hit the broad side of a, of a barn, they drill those four things into your head. And like I said, at least if he just did one of those things, that woman would still be alive today. Now, in terms of what's going on in, you know, with it, the, th- the, the tragedy that happened in California, you know, my heart goes out to uh, those that ha- uh, that were in. And I, I don't remember... Uh, I know that there was one in the, the on the weekend with the lunar uh, year, and then there was another one. Is that the? I can't remember if if the lunar thing was the same as the park thing, or or, or I don't know. I know it's it's been too many in one week. I'm feeling right. I'm feeling right. Um, now I will say this in terms of. Um, the uh the tragedy that happened with where you know they it was the they were celebrating the lunar year that was going on and uh the gentleman went in and and shot up the whatever that club was and it turned to be turned to be some 72 year old man and it was some kind of domestic dispute or whatever. Um, my heart goes out to everybody that was involved in all of that. I mean, it, it's just a tragedy all the way around. Um, my concern or my issue with how the media treated that was, you know, they, at first, and not all the media. I mean, there was certainly a lot of media that said that we don't know the motive right off or whatever. But then there were some people that came out and they started blaming the ultra mega ultra muga maga munga munga, you know, <laughs> white supremacist type of deal. And then it turned out to be the exact, you know, just not that at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay. And then when the police came out, I think it was yesterday and they described the, this is, I mean, for anybody that has spent, like I said, that that has a firearm of their own or, you know, has been around firearms. They said it was an assault pistol with, um, you know, it was a, (laughs) it was a, um, it was an assault pistol that was loaded with a, a magazine loaded assault pistol with an extra mag capacity or something like that or whatever. And it wasn't legal in the state of California. Okay. That's, that sounds really scary to people that don't live, you know, live in 40 of the 50 States in America. But, you know, for, for somebody that lives in Texas, what that sounds like to me that has, several firearms it sounds like 
that what it was was a, just a regular pistol that had that you know when they said that it was a magazine loaded i don't you know outside of a revolver every pistol that i know and that maybe there there maybe some there are some pistols that aren't magazine loaded but they're so rare it's just ridiculous you know um you know there may be a pocket pistol that's not magazine loaded or something like that but most pistols are magazine loaded so you're basically talking about a Glock. And then when they say extended mag pack, uh, capacity, I mean, in California, I think the limit is 10 magazines. I'm going to tell you, here in, in Texas, my uh, fir the first pistol that I bought, and then my other pistol, and then I have other firearms or whatever, but all of, the, all of my pistols that I have, the pistols have a magazine capacity is are beyond 10 rounds. So one come, one of them comes with 10 rounds. I'm sorry, one of them comes with 12 rounds and the other one comes with 15 rounds. And that's standard in the box. So when they're talking about the, oh my God, they're, you know, these extended magazines and whatever, you know, that's scaremongering. And it's like, you know, people outside of California and New York and New Jersey and Chicago, oh, extended rounds type of deal. No, it's just it's just regular magazines that come in the box. If you live outside of California and New York and New Jersey and, and Chicago, I mean, it's just ridiculous how they do the scaremongering thing. Mm. So... You know, you kind of have to look at the, like you look at, you know, all of the other things that the government does to try to like, well, what, what, you know, well, what are you trying to do here? It's not, I mean, I don't, you know, that's why he's like, why did they make up this word uh, assault pistol? When, has anybody ever heard of the concept of assault pistol other than yesterday when they came up with this? I've never heard of that. They just make this stuff up you know, to scaremonger you and to say, oh, 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 I don't know. Oh, this is crazy. It's ridiculous. Hmm. So, okay, so well, I'm going to leave that. That's okay, interesting. You've, you've just taught me a lot about gun culture because, like I said, I really don't know. <laughs> right, you know, and and again, it, it's, it's really, I'm not trying to tell you, Sabby, to go out and buy a gun. If you don't want a gun, you shouldn't have one. If you know, and I will say that to the hill, if you don't, if you don't want a gun, you shouldn't have one. But at the same time, you know, I mean, when, when you hear, and I'm just saying to people in general, whether it's guns or whether it's the police or whether it, you know, whether it's a uh, COVID or, you know, jab or whatever, you know, you just have to, or whether it's Ukraine all of these things, they use certain keywords and language to try to trigger people to a certain response. And that's all I'm trying to say about that. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm trying to, but basically my point about all of that is there's no such thing as an assault pistol now. That's <laughs> just, they, they just made that up. Okay. That's <laughs> interesting. 
They just make that. That's that's not a thing. Assault pistol is not a thing. Magazine fed assault pistol is not a thing because ninety nine point nine percent of the pistols are magazine fed, and the vast majority of pistols come with magazines that hold more than ten rounds, which is you know against California laws, but it's not against laws in most states in the United States. So that I'm just saying the way that you, they talk about guns, you have to examine that the same way that they talk about everything else. That's all I'm trying to say about that. That's now, a good point. That's a good point um, for us to keep in mind, uh, Robin. Thank you so much. Also, Lucy, totally based. And I love that, uh, that the, uh, Roger was there with her or whatever, you know, totally based about that. Property taxes. I can't speak about Louisiana property taxes. I can speak about Texas property taxes. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I remember uh, in your uh, thing today, you were asking, well, what's been going on with all these property taxes and blah, blah, blah. Here in Texas, one of the things that prompted a lot of the changes in property taxes, and there's been a lot of property tax changes that's been going on over the past, I would say, 10 years at least in um, Texas, is one, um, Texas does not have income tax. But a, a lot of times people say, oh, I'm going to come to Texas because there's no income tax there. But then they get shocked. Into when they realize that we do have fairly high property taxes, you know, and so um, some of the things that have been going on is uh, I remember in 2020 um, when the pandemic hit and then the pro property tax assessments came in and they were going, whoa, why are my property taxes so much higher? Are my, why is my property evaluation so much higher? Um, now that the pandemic is going on, because unlike Louisiana, uh, the property tax uh, people uh, uh, or the, um, they assess your property, you know, you do property, tax, property taxes based on the value of your property. And people got their assessment and saying, why is my property going up? 10, 20, 30%. Now in Texas, if you have a home, they have to cap it at 10%. But if you have a business, there's no cap in terms of how much they value your property. And then when the pandemic hit in March and they got their property tax assessment in April and they're going, wait a minute, I'm not even getting any business coming in. How am I going to pay property taxes when I'm not even making the revenue that you, you know, that you're saying I'm supposed to be making based on, you know, based on my property tax values because you've shut me down. And then they came in and they were like, well, we assessed that based on January 1st, 2020. And so they're like, okay, well, can't you make an adjustment? or something like that, you know, now that the pandemic is here. And they were like, no, you got to wait till 2021. And they're like, this is ridiculous. And so there, I know in Texas, there was a big uproar over that. Because, you know, people were like, okay, well, you're valuing my house or my, my business 
property tax value at $800,000 or whatever. And then people are like, look, I'll sell you my business right now. <laughs> if you're saying if, if, it's, if it's worth that much, I'll sell it to you right now. And of course, nobody would buy it because it's just not true. So there was a lot of things that were going on right now. So I mean, it doesn't surprise me that states were are going through a lot of these property tax adjustments. And then also here in Texas, one of the things that we did to, to try to slow the increase in property taxes was a lot of things that the uh, counties and all of the school districts and things were doing is that they were saying, hey, you know, let's say your property taxes for, for the school was 1% of your property's value. And they would keep your prop in the property tax assessment at 1%. But if every year they're raising the value of your property at 10%, 10%, 10% every year, then you're still paying more property taxes, even though the tax rate is the same. And people were going, this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, so you can't tell, you can't come to me and say, oh, well, we haven't raised your property taxes. No, you're not raising my property tax rate, but you're raising the assessed value of my property. So you're still getting 10% more from me every year. And so eventually Texas said, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to say to, to the, the counties, Okay, if you raise a person's property tax 10% and, and then everybody's property tax 10%, we're going to say if you, whatever that level was in terms of the, the amount of dollars that you collected the previous year, if you collect more than that, then you've got to actually lower the tax rate to collect the same amount of money. To, to keep from having people pour out so much money out of their pocket every year just from keeping the property tax rate the same and then just trying to play games and just raise the prop the value of their property. Texas said, no, we're not doing that anymore, which was great, you know. And so now, you know, a lot of the counties and, and different factions are going, oh, whatever, you know, but that was a great thing that they did. One of the um, things that I, I really, I'm, I really don't like. Number one, I'm, I'm not a fan of taxes. Period. But one of the things I like with property taxes is I honestly feel like if you have paid off your house, I don't like the fact that you still have to pay taxes on it. And that, that is me, a libertarian it's, view. It's, it's just very disturbing to me, Robin. It takes people years, right, to pay off these homes. Like people have like, what, 30-year loans, right? Yeah. And then they finally get to that point in their life where they've paid off their home and then yes. they still have to pay for the property taxes. But one of the things that some of these states are doing that I really do like, and it's a couple of states that I've mentioned already with the ballot initiatives, they have made it so now through these ballot measures where like if you are uh, a widow, uh, your spouse is deceased, and you were part of the military, your spouse was a part of the military, then you have an exemption as to how much property taxes you have to pay. Like, honestly, I feel like that should apply to everybody who's a widow, everybody who has a spouse that's deceased. Because nowadays, especially with uh, my generation, the millennial generation, most of us, we're two income households. Like both of us have to work, mm -hmm. right? So you're used to having two incomes. 
if someone passes away, now you're down to one income, but they still want you to pay the full property taxes. And I feel like that's not really fair, but I think property taxes, again, to me, it's just another way to, that the government just has a hold on people. And I think it's really important that you mentioned states like Texas that don't have income tax, but then people move there and they realize the property taxes are high. That's the same sentiment I've heard from people who have left Massachusetts and moved to New Hampshire. They were like, I'm going to move to New Hampshire because it's cheaper to buy a house there. And then they get there and they're like, these property taxes are high as fuck. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And, and and like I said, that the, the, your sentiment about paying property taxes year after year after year after year, that is a libertarian view. It's like, no. I mean, can you imagine buying, you know, a bag of Cheetos and five years later, you're still paying a sales tax on that bag of Cheetos? Come on now. That's ridiculous. That's a good analogy. <laughs> it really is. You know, is it, it, look, is the property mine or is it not mine? Because if you don't pay the property tax, they can take your property. That yes. means it's uh -huh. not really yours. Uh-huh. Now, I agree with you, uh, Robin, to a large extent. Um, I, from what I understand, I believe that the corporations or pharmaceutical companies, like I, I live in New Jersey, where pharmaceutical companies are, are very prevalent around the, the state and in different parts of the country, they used to take on a lot of the burden, the tax burden of the town, and that would cause uh, property taxes to be low. But of course, over time as, as we've seen from ronald reagan from even going back to jimmy carter how neoliberalism and corporations have really taken taken over the government they've decreased um, corporations taxes so that tax burden has to go somewhere and unfortunately it's going on the property taxes so i, I agree with you to a large extent uh, with that idea like i don't think we should be having uh, property taxes um, but I'm not an economist, so I would be very curious to see what, you know, someone that studies city planning and this type of thing, what they would say. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I want to add, too, that we have to keep in mind is that why are we paying these property taxes? That's tied to public education. Right. So, I mean, it's like that determines how resourced these schools uh -huh. are going to be. So uh -huh. it's like if if you live in a town. Like in Massachusetts, if you lived in Weston, for example, you're going to have phenomenal schools because that's a wealthy town. You have like Red Sox players that live. Oh, David yeah. Ortiz lived in Weston. OK, so you have like that's another big problem. And that's why I've also said they need to find another way to fund public schools so that you don't have to rely on property taxes to fund public education. What were to happen if you have a small town and all of a sudden, you know, we have a big economic hit. So all these people in the town decide, you know what, I just can't afford the, the mortgage anymore. I can't afford these high electric bills. I'm going to sell the house. What if all those people sold their homes? What happens to the public school in that town? And oh. this is something similar that happened in Detroit. This yes. is part of the reason why the schools in Detroit are so poorly funded, because that happened when Detroit oh. was hit economically, when they decided to move the factories close the factories and move the jobs uh, out of the United States. And remember, why did a lot of people move to Detroit during that time, right? They moved there because there were those factory jobs that they could get. So you had you had a lot of people, especially the Great Migration. So you had a lot of African-Americans move from the South and they moved to places like Detroit and Chicago, et cetera. They went to get those factory jobs. So what happened in Detroit? Detroit should be an economic lesson for every city in this country because when the jobs left, the people left. 
Yes. When the people left, the homes were vacant. They sold the homes. So then the property taxes decrease because you don't have as many people who are homeowners that are still living there. So then the public schools are under underfunded. And then those schools close. Like Rome said, he saw them close 40 schools in Detroit. So tying property taxes to public education should not be something that our government is counting on long term, especially with uh, the younger generations, because they're not buying homes. They're not buying homes. They're renting for like a year or two in a city and then they're moving somewhere else where they can get another job that's going to pay more money. So what is going to happen 20 to 25 years from now if you still have this this continuing where younger people are not able to buy homes because they don't have the down payment, et cetera. What is going to happen to the public school system? Exactly. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And which is, which is another reason why I feel like I know that, um, you know, uh, a lot of socialists and uh, will advocate for like uh, employee, employee based co-ops. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's the right term, and, you know, so you have to excuse me about that. But I feel I feel as passionate about this in terms of creating homeschool co-ops. Um, I you know, and I know that it's hard They, you know, it may be hard for working class people to create these co-ops or whatever. But particularly given that you were talking about how a lot of these states don't want to, um, you know, educate young people on various parts of history that you feel that's important, but will not be funded from the state. Um, if you have those type of homeschool co-ops uh, that, you know, you would be able to more freely educate your, your, your child in a way that you feel is uh, best for them to give, to give them a holistic view of education. And so um, not to say that I am against um, reforming uh, public schools or whatever, but I'm going to tell you right now, you know, if I had a child, I would not send my child to public school. I would find a way to homeschool my child or put them in some other alternative education because of the very things that we're talking about now, because, you know, public education in 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 the in the whole is just inadequate um and until that uh is fixed uh, there was i saw one documentary there was this black woman that just says you're not gonna i'm not gonna let my child be a guinea pig in the home in the public school sphere you know i would rather uh-huh. pull my child out and do it and i i'm just i've always been a big believer in letting the money uh, follow the child, and I know that that's not a that's not a, a popular view among a lot of people or whatever. But I just don't see how you know people. You know, I don't see how it's any different than you say defund the police. Okay, defund big education. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, if education is failing, then defund it, and let's and let's figure something else out. You know, I and. And maybe I'm wrong and I'm and I'm open to other ideas and things like that. But, you know, I don't see how we pe- people can say, well, you know, the police isn't doing a good job. You don't fund more. You know, you don't put, pump more money in the police. Education's not doing a, a good job. Oh, well, let's put pump more money in the in the education. I don't understand what the difference is there. 
you have to have good educators and you have to have the resources because you can have the best teachers in, in the country. But if those schools lack the resources, what I've seen happen is you have those really great teachers and they'll end up spending their own money to bring in those resources to their classroom. And they'll work really hard to get the kids where they need to be on an academic level only at the end of the year to experience to experience burnout and leave and go somewhere else. And that's it's a common story and it's unfortunate, but this is how a lot of schools lose good teachers because they don't have the resources that they need to teach those students. And I and I, I understand that. I really do understand that. And and that's my exact point, which is why would you funnel that money into the current system as opposed to, you know, uh the uh, uh school co-ops is what I'm saying. Hmm. That's I think it depends point. on what the money's going towards, Robin. Is like for for the police, they want to um, put more money to the police to put more cops on the beat. Where there's studies that shows that even having more cops on the streets doesn't affect crime. And then they're also buying a ton of stuff. Like they got robot dogs now, and they they're buying a ton of things that they don't really need. Where in the school system, there's after school programs, there's music. Um, programs that's going away because they're not fully resourced uh, or they don't have the resources to keep them going to after school programs. Now, I totally agree with you that there it needs to be some sort of um, school reimagination of school, because I think definitely with the new technology that we have nowadays, I, I definitely agree that a co-op style um, school is can happen because there's I, I talked to one of my uh, friends today that they're in college. I said, you guys are so privileged to have YouTube nowadays because when back in my day of college, I went to college, I graduated in 2006, we didn't have YouTube. So I would take a class and I would have mm-hmm. a terrible teacher. You know, And we all have those teachers that don't know how to teach at all. And <laughs> I, would fail the, I would fail the class, but now you have various teachers now that you just type in almost any subject and you can find a teacher on that subject on YouTube for free. And that particularly, you could find this teacher style that's for you. And I think that's going to be the future, right? All, all we're going to need uh, in class, the live teachers are only going to be there to answer questions that a recorded teacher can't, is not there live to answer. I think that's going to be the future. Um, and it's going to get a lot cheaper in that sense, because even MIT puts their courses out there for free, from what I understand, like a lot of videos, they put it out there for free. But yes. um, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Yes, MIT and Harvard, uh, they have, uh, there's a program, I think it's called, um, you can also do some of this through Coursera, by the way, you guys, you can take classes like at the University of Michigan through Coursera for free. You could do the same thing with MIT and Harvard, like they do have it where you can take some of these courses for free. I don't think you can get a degree per se, but you can, you can learn the skill that you need and you get a certificate. So you can say I'm certified in this, you know? Um, yes. And that's my point is that we don't have to lock ourselves into the current public school structure that we see today, that we can expand our imagination and our horizons based on what, you know, we're all talking about now to reimagine what it means, you know, what it means to educate our kids to even, you know, if you don't like what Rhonda Sanchez does or says, fine, you don't have to say that, you know, uh, go with that. You're going to, you know, you can teach your children through an alternative means and do whatever you want to do. 
is all I'm saying is that, you know, we should be open to that. And then um, uh, one of the things, oh, there's so many things. Okay, so uh, you talked about Robbie and the um, and Bacha and the civility thing or whatever. And I already said that Lucy was based about that. But if anybody hasn't seen the uh, Rising segment with Robbie, Bree, and Olayemi Oloran that came out today, um, I think, Sabby, you're going to have something to say about that on Thursday if you haven't seen it already. And maybe you're just holding back. Um, I haven't seen it. What was the subject matter? Don't tell the whole thing because I, I have to go watch it. But what was the yeah, subject? It, it, I'm not going to be a complete spoiler, but um, you may have seen the headlines about uh, the gentleman that was like a school teacher in California who was in an accident and was, you know, waving down the police. And then he was uh, tased like six times in like oh, 40 yes. seconds. He yes. He is the cousin of the co-founder yes. of Black Lives Matter. Yes. 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 So go look at that rising that they did today on that. And I think you may have something to say about that again. You know? <laughs> it was oh, Patrice man. Color's cousin. Yes. There you go. Yes. So just, you know, so just want to put that out there about that. Um, and then, uh, finally, um, and, and, you know, and may, I mean, you know, I'm kind of, this is my last thing before I get off the, the line and I just want to thank everybody for indulging me or whatever. Uh, when you were talking about in Louisiana, the police involuntary servitude thing that, that went down, uh, and so forth. Uh, I, you know, I think I've shared before that I volunteer, I'm a volunteer chaplain and the uh, Texas state prisons and everything. And so I'm trying to learn more about, you know, the whole involuntary uh, servitude thing. I know in Texas, if the the uh, prisoners have a job, they don't get paid for their work and they also don't get time served for, you know, for their work as well. Uh, and I don't necessarily ag agree with that uh, but I also know that uh, if somebody, if, 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 if they put in the thing that said that involuntary, well, let me say in Texas, there is no, I don't think we have involuntary servitude. But at the same time, I think one of the, the, uh, the incentives for working, even though you don't get paid per se, and you don't get time served for working is that there's no way you're going to get parole. If you, you know, go through the, your time at TDC and don't work, that's just not going to happen type of deal. And then also when I'm interacting with the um, offenders, they want to work type of deal. So I just need, I, you know, I'm open to hearing more and just being more educated on that whole thing about the involuntary servitude thing. And I'm just leaving that open for people to just, you know, share their wisdom and knowledge with me on that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Robin. Thank um, you. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Miss Delthea. Um, Delthea, I'm sure you have quite a bit to say. You just have to go ahead and unmute. I hope I hope we didn't lose Delthea, but we'll see. Sometimes the app is a little glitchy. What's up, Delthea? 
you're unmuted, but I, I can't hear you. So I'm not sure. While Dalthea is coming on, I just want to say real quick that I totally agree with Robin on her stance on guns. Uh, and especially with Alec Baldwin, I totally think that dude was guilty. He, it was totally unnecessary. It's, and it's like the most obvious thing in the world. Why are you shooting the director? Like, I can understand with the um, Bruce Lee accident, his son um, died in the, in the past, in the 90s, um, that it was in the action of a, a movie. He mm -hmm. was just pointing the gun at the director and shooting it for what? Like, it wasn't in the act of the movie. I can understand there then being an accident, but I think he was just playing around. He seems like a big kid whenever I see this guy and the way he acts. And I I totally agree with fully prosecuting the man as much at time, especially if that was my wife. Oh, you need all the years. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Delthea. Hey. Okay. I'm on. Great. <laughs> How's everybody doing? We're doing all right, Delthea. I have a feeling you're about to drop some fire. Drop here. that fire. Okay. Oh my God, where to begin? Okay. When you're running a meeting, this is for AOC. When you're running a meeting and you can't control that meeting, that's on you. One of two yeah. things is happening. Either you showed up unprepared or you've been lying and you're about to get called out on your shit. Okay. Those are the only two reasons you should not be able to control a meeting. And sometimes it's both of those reasons. I don't think she was prepared and I know she was going to get called out on her shit. But those things are not our problem as the audience. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. That's your ish. You deal with it. Now, had she gone to D.C. and done the things that she said she was going to do, there would be no problem. The AOC that I had in my brain, that AOC, I would never give a problem to. Nor would I expect anybody else to. I would jump up and defend that AOC. But this one? No. Shit's going to blow up, and it's going to continue to blow up. Until she either shits or gets off the pot. I think that, um, and maybe this is my fault. <laughs> I think I thought that AOC was going to be like Shama Sawant. Yes. I did too. Well, maybe not exactly like her. Um, because they're not in the same seat. They're not doing the same things. Um, but I thought that she was going to go up there. And she started off that first week. She was what I thought she would be. Mm-hmm. And then someone spoke to her, Delthea, and everything changed. Oh, they took her over in the corner. And when she came out the corner, she was chastised. And I think a part of... But she didn't have to be. Look, I, I understand when you're in your 20s. And older people talk to you, and it becomes real easy to kind of hide. Mm -hmm. But you're supposed to know that before you step up. Don't run. 
you know, as 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 they say, you know, you know, we're going to run with the big dogs and run with the big dogs to stay on the porch. <laughs> Go okay. ahead, Noel. I think Noel was going to respond to you, Delthea. I think a part of the problem with AOC was that AOC as a politician and political figure was unproven. So uh-huh. when she when she ran, all we had was her word. And so uh-huh. there was an assumption when people say, uh, and like you and Savvy just suggested that you expected something in the vein of Shama when uh-huh. she talked. But the reality is she did talk that talk. But Mm -hmm. once she got there and began to create a track record, we began to see that there was not the integrity Mm -hmm. and the strict adherence to her word. She proved not to be a woman of Mm -hmm. her word. And so now people are feeling that type of betrayal that we get all the time. But that is a part of the risk we run when we um, Mm -hmm. vote for people who are untested and have no track record. And I'm not against that because I understand that the um, party system is a pipeline and it shapes and molds the people so that by the time they do arrive through traditional means, Mm -hmm. they're unreliable. But I think the severity of the backlash that AOC is receiving is because people feel betrayed and misled and deceived. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about that. Agreed. But but again, I'm right back to where I was. She, if she wasn't ready, she should have said so. If she wasn't ready, she's going to run again. Yes. She keeps she keeps setting herself up for the critique that she's getting by continuing on in a job. She can't do. Or she, I mean, her job to do. is to actually, you know, represent the people of her district. The people of her district sent her up there because of what she said. If she can't do that, she needs to step aside and find somebody who can. But she's not going to do that. And the thing I think that's, that's really troubling with AOC is she has this need to try and come and explain it all away as Mm -hmm. if people are not reading her correctly. And it's like, girl, go sit down. We see you through Mm -hmm. your actions. So we don't need you to come out to my, Ooh, I got to manage my relationships and this. It's like, girl, go somewhere and sit down with that. Look, Either you a grown ass woman or you not. Thank you. And a grown-ass woman is a yeah. woman in her own house. Your house happens to be the house of representatives. Represent or go home. Do you have a problem with the way that she was spoken to? So, for example, the points that Batya and Robbie uh, were making on the Rising episode, and this mm-hmm. is the first like time that AOC has been confronted at a town hall in the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. We've seen this happen with Jose. Um, and those that are part of the LaRouche movement as well. But Mm -hmm. do you, do you have a problem with the way that she's being confronted? That comes with the territory. Okay. Look, go on YouTube, put in the words town hall. 
you will find funny town halls, you will find boring town halls, and you will find time, town halls where they had to back up the paddy wagon because people were having fist fights in the aisles. Yes. Okay? Yes. That's just the way people are when they start talking about politics. I went to a town, a town hall in Southie, and honestly, yeah, that's when I lived in, when I lived in Southie, I went to a town hall, a town hall meeting. It was me, my husband, well, at the time, my husband was my boyfriend, and then it was um, our friend, and we went to the town hall. We were the youngest people there. I'm not even kidding. We walked in, and we were like, (laughs) well, this is it. This is it. But it had to, it had to deal with uh, parking. So we were like, mm-hmm. we need to find out what's happening with the parking shit. Right, so right. we went to the town hall and like what ha- what Lucy, you know, did to to AOC, you know, I would hate for some of the some people who are criticizing Lucy to have been at that town hall with me because there were people standing up and yelling and screaming. And mm-hmm. I remember at one point, one of the politicians said, everybody sit down and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> This goes with see, this goes with this goes with the job. Mm-hmm. People get mad at you. People call you up on the phone and then they proceed to call you everything but a child of God. That's part of your job. If you can't handle it, and this is gonna go into the CRT thing. Uh-oh. A big a big part of her problem is she don't want her feelings hurt. then she shouldn't be a politician. Then she shouldn't be a politician. This is my point. A big part of it, she don't want her feelings hurt. That's why she wants to have the, she wants to have all the questions beforehand. She wants to be able to go through them or have her people go through them and they can give her softball questions and she can look like she cares and then she can go home. Hmm. Feeling that she really engaged with her people. So she can feel good. That's not how this works. And first of and all, that's what's wrong with the whole CRT thing. And, and first, let's talk about be, CRT for just a be, second. The words before CRT you leave that has three words that right wingers can't stand: critical, because how dare you criticize? Race, how dare you remind me I'm white? In theory, they don't understand what a theory is because they think the theory just oh that's anything you just want to make up. <laughs> This, it, it, I, if I'm lying, I'm flying. That that so 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 they found this thing called critical race theory that they teach in law school. And I got news for you: if you don't want to take a class with CRT in law school, you can do it. You can avoid CRT your entire life. It ain't that hard. That's true. But they heard it and said, "Ooh, that's one of those words we can use." So let's take it and. Put it on Black History. And we'll call Black History critical race theory, and then we ain't got to teach it. But they were saying that they're still teaching Black History, but it's they're like, we still teach Black History, and they've actually increased uh, Black History at the schools. Let me me uh, ask a question to the room. All you listeners, listen up. When y'all took American history, how many of y'all got past the Civil War? I did. You are one of the few people. 
I have asked that question in town halls. I have Wait, asked are you serious? That in, I'm serious. I've asked that question in town halls. How many of y'all got, got past the Civil War? And every time I've asked that question, maybe 10% of the people in there raised their hand. Now, understand, oh. I've lived my entire life in the South. Kids in the South don't get past the Civil War because the South hasn't gotten past the Civil War. And if you don't get past the Civil War, exactly how much Black history you think you're really going to learn? Mm-mm. Think about it. That's powerful stuff right there. I started. Well, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Case. I'm sorry. No, that's all I'm I wanted sorry, to Case. say. That's I, I See, this is why I love calling because everyone, no matter, I don't care who you are, you live in a Case certain study? bubble. You live in a bubble, and and by talking to people from different backgrounds, different races, this is how you learn. So go ahead, um, Saps and Duffy. I, I just yeah, my first history class was in Germany, so just keep that in mind. So okay. I, I was at the Dodd schools, and Dodd school is a little bit different because you have so many people from different backgrounds because huh. we're all military kids. But we learned about. I mean, we got through. The civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I was, learned that was in middle school. I mean, I learned history because I had old parents, and you know, and and the Black Panther cell was like four blocks from my house. So I mean, I learned Black history, um, but that was when I was in D.C. When I moved. When we moved to North Carolina, my family moved to North Carolina. That just, all that went away. And the only black history I knew was when the books that my parents bought me. Well, my thing is, is that why, and this was something I noticed when I moved back to the United States. So like in Germany, like this wasn't, this is not the way we were taught. So like I said, we had already gotten past the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was in middle school. We came back to the States and I was going to public school, public high school. Uh-huh. And they were like, we had to learn civics. That's what I was talking about tonight. Uh, freshman uh-huh. year civics. So that's how I knew how the government worked because of that class. I could sophomore year. Go on. Yeah, that was required. And then uh-huh. when we got to uh, American history, I was like, why are we spending so much time on the Civil War? And I, it was really weird to me because I remember telling people things, you know, like, about like the civil rights movement and Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't even get to that part unless it was brought up during black history month Mm -hmm. or depending on which history class they chose to take junior year because junior year Mm -hmm. that was optional you had to take one history but you get to pick which one you wanted to take but the point Mm -hmm. that i try to make is this is like this is why you should not make it so or public schools should not make it so that black history is taught during february you need to teach it throughout the entire year that's not enough time 28 days except for that leap year 28 days is not enough time to go into black history why is it so so separate too it's it's really weird because it's like you know for me like in in germany like there was a big focus on uh the history there. Mm-hmm. So there was a big focus on what happened uh, during, you know, like World War II, like all World of War that. II, yeah. There's a whole big history on that. But they still gave equal amount of time to American history. 
Mm-hmm. So why it can be done, right? But here it can it can be done. Here I'm telling you because America hasn't gotten past the Civil War. Here's the issue. That's why you can't get past it. A certain amount of and once you history. get past it, then you have to deal with capitalism because now you got to deal with the robber barons. Mm-hmm. You got to teach about Ludlow. No capitalist ever wants you to learn about Ludlow. Okay. Well, I'm, you I'm learn at, one of my one of my coworkers uh, was from Maine, and she moved here to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me that, like in Maine, like she, you know, they learned about Dr. King, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. But like most of the things I told her about, like she didn't know anything about the Black Panthers. She didn't know anything about, mm-hmm. she, she didn't really know who Malcolm X was. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, she didn't really know who Mal- Martin Luther King was either, to be honest. But right. like any other person that I mentioned that was significant, mm-hmm. that was African-American in this country, she had never heard of them. And I was remember thinking to myself, like, really? Really? Like, how do you not know? And she was like, in Maine, it's not required. And there are no black people. There's there's black people there, but they're not. Most not where of the she was, people, I bet you. Right, most of the black people that are there are concentrated in Portland. In Portland, the largest city in Maine, and yep. then most of them are not. Um, most of them are immigrants, so most of them are right. from Africa. They're yes. not American. They're not American descendants of slaves. So yep. why would why would she know? How would she know? This but here's terrible. the other thing. We have to accept and, and understand that education per se is has as much to do with identity as well as it has to do with how we understand this nation's identity. And when we look at the curriculum, it was heavily influenced after the Civil War by organizations like the Daughters of the, the Confederacy. Yes, and so... Lord. When you look at that, they are making sure that the original indoctrination and programming is consistent with the ideology of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And the reason we had come to the place where we did black history is because in their attempts to make sure that the programming left their people intact with the society, they Uh left us underrepresented altogether. So we do this addendum thing for February. But Uh here's the thing. If you went back and retold American history, even similar to the 1619 Project, to put Uh it in the proper perspective, starting out, like you say, Christopher Columbus did not discover the Americas and all this right. stuff. If you redo that, you reprogram the future, you change, you deconstruct mm-hmm. the whole American narrative. And that's why when you say critical race or anything, they're up in arms because they know what it represents. Exactly. And they're like, oh, no, we're not going to touch that because this is programming our kids the way we want. And think about it. How disingenuous an argument can you make to say, oh, I'm concerned about how my kids might feel? 
And if you elevate that above the truth and facts of the matter, you're advocating for the miseducation of your children. And they know that. It's but, no mistake. And I take it and understand this. Now, no, we'll understand this. The kids are not upset. When you tell children about slavery, they side with the slaves. When you tell kids about the Trail of Tears, they side with the natives. Kids know what's right. The kids and that's are not why they're up bad. in arms. The parents are feeling bad. But that's what it is. They don't want their kids to side with the... I pointed the, this out at a school board you know, a few years ago, and several parents got up and walked out because they couldn't, they couldn't take it. But they don't want a generation to rise up understanding said, your kids the not, plight your kids of the right indigenous. Wrong, and they know that pe they know the people who bully and they know the people who get bullied. Right. I think the thing the is too is like um, y'all the ones with the problem. Well, how far as a society are we going to go to the point where we have to say like we don't want people to feel guilty about things or we don't want people to I mean Anybody? Dothia, like I'm honestly thinking about I'm thinking back to uh when I was in school and I remember Hello? we used to play a game called Dodge. Yeah, we can hear you, Delthea. Can you hear okay. us? I, I can now. Okay. Um when I was in school, we used to play a game called Dodgeball, where people would literally mm -hmm. pick up a ball and hit you with the ball. Sometimes you got hit in the face. As that was just the name of the game. Could. Exactly. Yeah. So then when I got an education, when I got older, I remember like one of the teachers I was observing, she told me, she said, oh, we're going to recess. And I mentioned, I was like, oh, what are they going to do for recess? I go out there to recess and I'm like, what is this? And I was like, they don't play things like Red Rover, no dodgeball. She's like, oh, we're, they're not allowed to play those games because they're considered to be too brutal. And I'm like, what? I got hit in the face with the dodgeball. I got clothesline. <laughs> playing red rover <laughs> and i'm just like i'm like no wonder these kids don't want to like these kids don't know how to deal with challenges and stuff in life <laughs> hit in the face with a ball i'm sorry it just it was really interesting to me that they were saying that i'm like no you're not allowed to do that and then other things like when i was in school we were allowed to bring food you know bring food to give to the class yeah. So that was another thing is like, she was like, you can't bring food to give to the class because some kid may, certain so-and-so may have an allergy and then it has to be an equal size for everyone and da-da-da-da. <laughs> it came around February and I was like, oh, the kid's going to do Valentine's. She was like, well, you can't do Valentine's because it leaves some people left out. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> I know. I know. And, and, and the thing about dodgeball i thought dodgeball was a rite of passage <laughs> exactly i did i thought dodgeball was a rite of passage and i can't tell you how many times i went home with bruises on my stomach from playing red rover but i didn't care because it was fun that's right that's right i, I enjoyed mean, it some of the things that they've done now, I, I feel like they've made kids somewhat soft for the world that they are about to face. And they need to be willing to take on challenges because let's be real, when we're looking at something like climate change, like that is going to affect them. That's going to affect a lot of us. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you're raising these kids to be soft and stuff like they're teaching them to be soft. Don't, don't, don't play dodgeball. You can't but play it's not for the kids. It's not what the kids want.
The kids want dodgeball. The kids want to play Red Rover. Okay? The kids but want I think to do these things. It's the parents the whole, that don't, and they use the kids as an excuse. I think the whole argument, though, about, and it's you know, the frailty of the kids is a now, disingenuous. A that, I, that I could talk about, but I, I got to well. work in the morning. Go ahead. I was going to say the whole argument about, you know, how they don't want the kids to feel a certain way. That is a straw man argument. Mm-hmm. It is disingenuous. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about their kids learning the truth. And then, like Delthea says, they will side with the indigenous people. They will side with the slaves because the children know it's wrong. But the parents do not want that because they understand that their kids will grow up with a different level of sensitivity about Mm -hmm. what it means to be an American. And that's the piece they're up in arms about. They know these kids. It's not about what the kids think. It's about the adults saying, hold on. We need that programming in place. Plus, we don't want we don't want to face the evil that we do. Because that, again, getting right back to this, it makes us uncomfortable. And quite frankly, I've made it a life's work to make people uncomfortable. I think it's a fun thing to do. And I think that everybody should make people uncomfortable at least once in their life just for the sheer power of it. It's a rush, y'all. It's and that a brings it rush. back to the that brings it back to the whole civility and point. That happy note, I'm gonna let y'all go. Y'all have a good night and keep up the fight. Thanks so much, Delthea. Roger, I'm gonna go ahead and and tap you in and then I'll bring in Ashura, but um I think that brings up the whole point again about civility. It's like everyone's afraid to like hurt someone's feelings or people can't be spoken to a certain way. And it's just very much tone police. And I don't like it. I, I feel like you can't, you can't raise people to be so like uh, timid and afraid of everything, especially considering what they're, they're walking into. Like you can't be timid and afraid when you're going into a climate crisis, like you have to be able to take on challenges and deal with these situations. Um, so well, a few things. So at the, at the, at the, um, at the town hall, so AOC took pre-screen questions. Um, we had to write down, you know, the questions and, you know, you hand it to her, whatever. Right. And um, so Lucy agreed, like, I was going to ask her about reparations, about that Ta-Nehisi Coates interview, where she said, uh, Black, what's Black? You know, like, playing that stupid little game. Plus, I was also going to ask her about the ACO Reach program. Um, in case any, In case anybody doesn't know... This is um, something that Joe Biden is implementing that will that um, that he implemented like a week ago um, that is putting he is currently putting Medicare on the road to a privatization. Now, um, you know, just like Lucy was saying that uh, it was mostly old people there. I think that's something that, you know, that those those um, seniors would have liked to have known. But 
she ended the the Q and A session after what like ten minutes. <laughs> okay, but um, I'm going to be going on a Zoom on Thursday from uh, that. Let me see. Physicians for National Healthcare is putting this Zoom on um, to talk about ACL reach. Okay, but it's pretty much to end Medicare. You know, as the saying goes, as we know it. So that's something that people should really. So, so in other words, everyone's talking about Medicare for all, and um, you know, you got certain people talking about oh, a national strategy and 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 trying to get Medicare for all at the national level. Biden is going in reverse. Not only is he not issuing an executive order, okay, to do uh, Medicare for all. This mofo is going in reverse. So if there is anything that reinforces my point of we should get these things done at state level, it is that. Also, the strategy, at least the New York strategy that I'm trying to do is one, register those left of the Democrat Party as independent in mass Two, start with the cities in New York State with three starting with New York City first. Um, and then, you know, like later on, move on to Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, whatever the case is. Right. So the expected outcome would be to provide an exit strategy for Democrat lawmakers at every level of government whose districts are in New York City, since that's the most left place, the most navy blue place in the state, give them an exit strategy to get out of the party. Once they see that that there is an independent safety net with registered independents outnumbering the Democrats in those districts, this way they can jump outside of the party and then push Democrat leadership from the outside on these issues, okay? Now, what I'm looking for, that the, the main aim, the main demand from the indie left that I'm looking to get, you know, like this, this is a long-term project. This is not something that, and we're kind of winging it right now. You know what I mean? It's kind of like organic, so to speak. But what I'm looking to do is um, get them, get, you know, like these, once, you, once, you, once you're able to get these people out of, of the Democrat party, where they feel there's an independent safety net in their districts, get them to uh, add an amendment for voters to ratify our own amendments into the state constitution so that we can place, to turn us into a ballot initiative state, okay? To allow us to uh, to uh, ratify the New York state constitution. The, yeah, allow voters to ratify the New York state constitution using the ballot initiative process. But we have, we have to get them out because I'm, I'm looking at there'll be good legislation that they're trying to push, but then leadership, whether that is through Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins and Speaker Carl, Carl Heastie or from or the governor that is putting us, you know, that's just kind of like acting like, a, a you know, the little plug on, on the bottom of the sink, if the cork at the bottom of the sink, where if something does get through. So let me give let me give an example. So Senator James Sanders Jr., I think I told you this before, right? But Senator James Sanders Jr., all right, he has the public banking bills, okay? His district is JFK Airport and Southside Jamaica, Queens and all that, right? So 
his legislative director told me that he, um, so I said to him, listen, the advisory board, the makeup of it, you have it where those who represent the public interest would be um, the minority, while those who have in, in, have uh, experience in running a bank and maybe from possibly Wall Street or you know whatever the case is, would be in the majority. If you pass it like that, it's going to be a big, huge, large loophole that you're leaving in there. You see what I'm saying? So they said that's the only way. That's the only way um, that the uh, that Senate leadership and the governor would take it with those loopholes. So I'm like, well, then don't bother passing it. I, you know, I'm not that amped on passing something as vital like this just to just to weaken it. You know, what I mean, it's better to just pass the New York Public Banking Act, which would, you know, which would just allow municipalities to start their own public banks. Okay. That where it would be out of the hands of the state, it would be the local uh, local government. But pretty much what I'm saying is, either we have to find a way because we're not a ballot initiative state already. So this is this is my this is the only option that I see to get this passed because um, Republicans are leaving this state in droves, in droves. Yeah. They are leaving. Their numbers are dropping. Younger, okay? uh, younger people in general are yeah. leaving places like New York City and they're leaving uh, Boston, to be honest, too. Like Massachusetts, like we lost a lot of like people, like younger people are leaving some of these cities. This started with the pandemics, leaving some of these cities and they're moving to like more of the, the southern uh, cities. So like that's why Austin is is getting a big influx of people. Nashville is one of the fastest growing cities um, out that way. Same thing with Dallas, same thing with Houston, like People are leaving, they're moving to those areas, and they're actually making those areas more expensive, to be honest. But go- yeah. So, um, so like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I just want to turn this state into a swing state. <laughs> I mean, that's one of that's one of the ultimately's. You know, I don't want this to be just, you know, if we got a whole bunch of independents here, especially those that might be left of, most of them left of the Democrat Party. You know, I want to put some fear into these politicians to know, you know, look at look, look at what Kathy Hochul did. She was scared as hell when she thought that she had that election in the bag and then it didn't look so hot. So where did she go to Brooklyn? And she bought out all the big guns. OK, well, the Clintons were there, I think. I don't know. Lucy could tell you who was there. You know, you know, all, all these people, I, I think Biden or Obama was there. One of them was there. You know, and, and all these people, she came to Brooklyn, which is, I believe, is the most navy blue part of the the city, um, either that or the South Bronx, which whichever one. And um, so I saw I smelled weakness. Oh, you do need us after all. OK, so I said, what if we got all of those lefties out of the Democrat Party and just said, you know, just register independent. Don't even bother with trying to do a third party because the thing is with parties, like I said before, they got to go through all this minutia. They got to go through mm-hmm. all these by- bylaws. They got to go through all of this. Okay, how do we do it? What are we going to do? How are we going to set it up with the bylaws with this? No, just get out, register independent, and just run. You see I'm what I'm a saying? registered uh, independent. There you go. Like, and, it's just, I, I can't. Like, I told you guys this before. Like I can't be part of no parties no more. No more parties. Mm-hmm. The only kind of party I'm trying to be a part of is ones that involve like a keg, 
some music. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, hey, uh, unfortunately, I got to run, but much love to y'all. Uh, man, I wish I could jump in on. I wanted to talk about AOC and some stuff, but I got to run, unfortunately. But much love to y'all and looking forward to the next time. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Chase. Um, Go ahead, so, Roger. So, yeah. Uh, so, Hoko, she was speaking, she was speaking today about uh, the healthcare workforce. And so we got to rebuild our healthcare workforce. Um, yeah, she should have, she should have um, ended that by saying, uh, because I wrecked the healthcare workforce when I had uh, these nurses fired for not taking a vaccine. So, um, so now we find out that the vaccines were like really not that great or no good or whatever the case is now, right? And if she was asked today, well, why not just hire those people back and say, oh, absolutely not, because I don't want to put people in danger. <laughs> you know, I don't want to put, you know, you should, you should not, you shouldn't come out the hospital sicker than where, than where you were before and so on and so forth. And she talked about, she clearly said she's not going to end qualified immunity. Um, so, yeah. Now, as far as DeSantis is concerned and these GOP governors are concerned, um, did someone tell these people about the kids have this thing called the internet? I mean, I was just wondering. Um, Cause that's the thing. And I'll yeah. tell you, one of my students told me this before. They said that they've learned more online than they have in the classroom. They, they told me this, like, this is when I was working at uh, the business school at BU. And they told me, they said like, eh, I, cause I had to have a, a talk with them um, because they were going to class and, Basically, they were one of the professors told me that, like, they walked around the classroom and the student was on their laptop the whole time on Facebook. And they were just like, I don't understand how they're doing the work if they're on Facebook and they're not paying attention in my class. So I had to have a talk with them. And they basically told me, like, uh, number one, the shit's boring. And number two, everything <laughs> that he's saying in the classroom, I look up all this stuff online. I learn more on YouTube about the things that he's saying through videos than what he shows us in class. Everything that, and that's funny because that's that's me too. That's that's exactly me. Um, because you know, because of you know the internet. I, let me say something. I was a I was a terrible student. Back back in K through twelve, I, I was always below grade level because I don't like being forced to learn something that I'm really not interested. I learn it. I like to learn at my own pace when I feel like it. The only the only thing that I really excelled at was technology. When I was electronic technology, um, and you know, I, I remember they had. To, it was so funny because I remember in high school, my last two years in high school, I was taking you know, one of those occupational courses, those blue collar courses or whatever the case is. And I was failing like every single class except that electronic technology class. I was getting like 90s and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just like they had to call my parents up there to the school because I was I was like failing all these other classes. And the teachers were sitting outside the uh the, the what do you call it? The the guidance counselor's office, and then my electronic teacher teacher walked tech, electronic teacher walk, technology teacher walked in, and it's like, oh no, Roger, my best student, he got like nineties, ninety fives, ninety nines, doing all this different type of stuff, like because I was always a person where I don't like being forced to learn something. I learn it if I feel like it. You know what I mean? So 
you know, the internet was the, was my biggest learning tool. Matter of fact, I would probably have to say it was really these mo once the mobile devices mm -hmm. came, that was, that was it for me, you know, it was and a game changer I, for, I think a I lot learned, of people. Yeah. I, I learned so much, um, since like, I don't know, about 2008 to the point where people actually thought I had people ask me, was I a lawyer? I had people ask me, did I study constitutional law? I had people ask me, like, they, they try to guess what I went to school for. They come up with all these things. I was like, no, I went to school for information technology. I said, go all this other stuff. I tell, I tell people, oh, that's the other one. They said, did you, did you go to school for political science? I was just like, let me tell you something. You are wasting your money if you are going to school for political science because everything that i know i learned it for free i just i would watch something on tv and just research it nowadays i see it on youtube and i research it i say that is a big scam that they say hey let's make up something called poli and make people pay pay us for it can you i know just I mean? say even for those of you who are interested in working in government do not major in political science don't do it I, i've seen so many people do it when i was an undergrad they ain't doing nothing with government, just keeping it real. Like it's don't, you don't need to major in political science to work in government. I, I think as we've seen, we've seen some of the politicians that had no uh, experience in political science and they still became politicians or they still work in government. So I think that's another major that I think is, is it's a fluke. Like, mm -hmm. it's like you don't really need to do that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big waste of time and it's a big waste of money. Um, the other thing I was going to, was going to say, um, uh, yeah, civility means to these guys, please don't challenge me too harshly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it really means. Um, uh, as far as Batya is concerned, um, she is the protest police who likes to tell people how to protest the way you should protest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I was like, you know, what are you, the, the protest police? Like, you, you know nothing. Like, shut up, sit in your brownstone in Brooklyn and yep. you know, just shut the hell up, you know? So it's always I mean? the people who are not activists that tell activists how they should organize. And mm -hmm. we've seen this multiple times, like across like the spectrum. Like, it's just, it's, it, you know, when Ryan Grimm came on, I told him the same damn thing. I was like, Ryan, you always on Twitter talking down on outside efforts every time i don't remember doing that i was like that's okay because i remember i remember all the things that you said every time someone was trying to organize like to criticize the medicare for all marches like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah exactly you know but i also want to say um that was that was interesting i learned something when lucy said that um the town hall, her town halls used to be a whole bunch of young people. That mm -hmm. was, I, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty interesting there. So pretty much it's just filled with a bunch of blue, no matter who people, you know, um, they stopped coming out for her, Roger. They don't come out for her like that anymore compared to 2018, because a lot of young people have been disappointed. A lot of them that really believed in AOC, they're starting to see who she really is. So yeah, like they don't come out for her like that anymore. Right, right. Halls, like even the ones that Jose and his friends uh -huh. spoke up at, 
if you look out in the audience, most of the people, it's older people. What happened to all those younger people that used to come to AOC's town halls and, and, and her rallies, right? Yeah, no, that part I understood. I just think that they would come to the town halls more to call her out. You see what I'm saying? Not because they were celebrating her. You know what Unfortunately, I mean? most of the younger people won't. Most of them will just check out. So I'm going to give them an option to check back in with getting them to register independent, hopefully. Um, what Robin said is what I've been saying, telling people for years um, w regarding like going to these uh, uh, these uh, states, these nine states that don't have state income taxes. I was just like, yo, look, the government's going to find a way to get it out of you somehow. You know what I mean? Because I because yeah. it's just like, yeah, so they're going to find a way, some other way to fund their government. So if they don't have a, the, the a state income tax, then what happens is, yeah, you will find Florida, Texas, Tennessee, New Hampshire, Washington State, uh, Alaska, you know, all these, all the um, Wyoming, South Dakota, they'll, they'll, they'll have a high tax in something else. It might not be the state that's charging you a high tax on this other state tax. But it'll be, you know, the, the the municipal tax. You feel what I'm saying? So just like she was saying, the property tax. So it's kind of like it's kind of like someone leaving home. You know what I mean? So if you think of this, if you think of the state is is living at home, most of the you know, you living at home. Most of the things are provided to you by your parents. So you don't have to earn that much, you know, but there's certain rules that you got to go by if you live there. And especially, I love that story that you told last week about, you know, we don't leave dishes in the sink and what, you know, <laughs> what time it is. And I, I really honestly love that story. That was a real cute story, you know. But, yeah, that's that's the trade off. You live at home. You don't mm -hmm. have to earn as much, but you got to go by certain rules. OK, so that's like having a state income tax. So the municipalities could, you know, OK. Whatever this state is, whatever we got to go by, you know, but we don't have to raise our taxes, our local taxes as much. But the moment that you say we're going to go out on our own and, and the, the, the state say we're not going to we don't have the money to support you anymore. Well, then just like you moving out, your income has to go up because now you got to pay for all that shit. You feel what I'm saying? So that's always a thing that they never tell you. You know what else is high in them places? Um, the sales tax. The sales tax is also yes. high. Yes. That's the, the piece that they don't tell you. Yeah, it's really true. Like my parents' house was like Fort Knox. I'm not even exaggerating you guys. My parents bought, um, are you guys familiar with ADT alarm system? Yeah. Oh, do you had an ADT? <laughs> Listen, a representative came by the house and my dad was like, okay, we're going to get this alarm system. And you guys got to understand nothing happened in our neighborhood. Nothing. But my dad was like, you know, confident that this alarm system was going to be like a game changer or whatever. So he got the alarm system. Let me tell you about the alarm system. If you open the window. So I had a window in my bedroom. If I opened the window at the wrong time, the alarm system would go off. <laughs> so then it was like, like people would ask me, like, you never snuck out of the house when you were in high school to go hang out with your friends. I'm like, <laughs> How could I get out of the house? 
would have trapped. an alarm system going off. And, and my dad, like my dad was, you know, active duty military at that time. My dad could hear any little thing. If I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, all I had to do is take two steps out my bed and he would hear it. It's it, it just there's no tiptoeing around that. But I learned very quickly when I when I moved back in with my parents after undergrad, I learned very quickly, look. <laughs> I need to save up this money fast so I can get up out of this house. Like they were more strict when I moved back in as an adult than they were when I was a teenager. I was like, what the hell is this? Mom was like, you didn't make your bed. I was like, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. Let me make sure I bring in Ashura. Ashura, what's up? You just got to unmute. Hey. Oh. What's going on, Ashura? Uh, I just got to say one thing to Roger. Uh, I saw half your face. I don't know who was who had the who was filming, but next time, give me a full face. Well, she's <laughs> she's on here. You could talk to her if she gets on. Yeah, because that, that was Lucy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know if that was uh, that pic you have right now. If it's an old picture, but uh, you look like you lost some weight <laughs> during the two years. So you look good. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Aww. Anyways, uh, Sabby, uh, when it comes to the thing about Lucy, it, it, it was a smear. It was a smear campaign. That's what it was. They didn't know who Lucy was, so they just trashed her. I don't think they, I'm pretty sure they saw the video and that one girl picked like the AOC stand. I, I, I think she basically got offended. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, there's a proper way to talk to politicians. Uh, <clears throat> one thing you do, uh, if, you, if if this thing was happening in Haiti and people were like talking about poverty, or oh, you would have them screaming at the politicians. Yep. They would scream at their faces. They don't care about civility. If, if you're poor, they don't care. They'll, they'll, they'll go right in your face. They'll even insult your mom in the process. How are you going to talk about civility politics? I still remember... I can't remember his name. Remember the gentleman that stood up and pointed his finger at Barack Obama and said, you're a liar. Uh, I think it was, like a, I think he was a, a Republican politician. I don't, I don't remember his yeah. name. I don't, I don't even know. If he's still, Joe, if Wilson. He's still Joe Wilson. That's Shut who that was. Said, you lie. Yep. He said, you lie. Yep. I see. Yeah, so I remember that. It's just like, and, but you guys want to call out an activist for saying the truth about AOC. She's like, yeah, I agree with her on this. I agree with her. She agreed with Lucy on everything that she said, but then she's like, but I feel bad for AOC. Why do you feel bad for her, Batya? Because you have access to AOC. You feel bad for her. You got to say you feel bad for her so you can continue to keep that access to AOC because this is what it's really about. The thing is, is like, you can criticize them, but then you still have to end that criticism with some type of defense. Otherwise you will not have access to them. I wouldn't give a shit about the access. I mean, they could kiss my ass on that access. A lot of people do. You'd be surprised, especially people in that DC bubble. Yeah, because depend uh, on it. The, the one that irritated me more than the than the growing pick was Robbie. Robbie's fucking face. I mean, that smugness. You can't fucking hide that smugness even behind a pair of clear glasses. <laughs> that, that shit. That shit oozes like a fucking mask that's melting under the the highlight of, of the stage. Well, I just thought it was, I, I think it was journalistic malfeasance to not invite Lucy onto the show. 
to not even invite. And I know they didn't reach out to her because I asked. So the thing is, is, like, they knew who she was. They said her name. Like, Lucy is on Twitter. It's not like she's hiding somewhere. Like, why would you not invite her onto the show and ask her the events that transpired before that? You have any idea why Brie wasn't on Brie's not on on Mondays. Oh, isn't that convenient? Oh, Brie okay. would have had a very different take. Yeah, they decided to spear on Monday. <laughs> the first day of the week. Mm. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I, I didn't see the video. I was watching it on your channel. And I'm like, bro, like, uh, that, that, that Robbie Suave, whatever the fuck his name is, how you pronounce it. <laughs> I just can't stand that dude. Like, they call him Robbie Suave. How about Robbie Smugness? Changes them to fucking smugness. Because you know how people, white people tend to get like every, they, can, they have sometimes they have weird names, like someone would call uh, Robbie Wood or some weird name. Like, what, what's the point if he changes his name to Robbie Smugness? I mean, that, that goes with his face, his personality, even. Like the point where he said that uh, that kid should have probably, uh, should have never went for the car. I mean, do you have yeah. to kill somebody for the car? I mean, really? I that. that was that was really bad but that's just people just revealing themselves and showing you you know exactly who they really are sure the other thing i noticed is some of the facts like and i'm so glad lucy came on tonight to talk about it some of the facts in the episode they got wrong they started out the beginning of the episode and said aoc town hall on friday the town hall was on saturday and i knew that because i we announced it on the show last week and i said by the way AOC is having a town hall on Saturday. If you have questions for her, this will be your time to go and ask her those questions. So I knew that because I was following the story. I don't know where Friday came from. It's like they, they did it at the last minute. I guess it's to protect AOC, like you said, it's for access. I mean, how do you get the fucking date wrong? I don't know. What it's, else did they get wrong? It's, it's, it's for access for people who still are ignoring them. It's for access to all these people defending AOC. Is AOC appearing on their shows? No. Still, till this day, even people still defending her tooth and nail, she is still not going onto their shows, but she's going on to Pod Saves America. And they were the guys that actually smeared Bernie Sanders' campaign. So make that make sense, you guys. Why would she be willing to go onto a podcast that smeared the progressive movement? and smeared Bernie Sanders' campaign, but she's not willing to go into the ones that actually promoted her campaign and promoted Bernie Sanders and is the reason why she was able to get elected. I'll be really honest with all of you guys. I didn't even know and would not have known who AOC was until I saw her on Jimmy Dore's show. I would have never heard about her. So it just, to me, it's just, it's very obvious. She's not gonna come on those shows because she knows they're going to ask her difficult questions. I wouldn't even be surprised if her staff told her, don't go on to left independent media. I don't even think she's been on TYT since. I mean, I, I think I've, I've seen Omar go on like the majority report. I mean, that's like, they're just going to give her safe answers. And, <laughs> and the funny thing about it, like Robbie calls himself a uh, libertarian, but she acts like a full blown Republican. This is why I don't even trust what people call themselves libertarian, because even if you're a Republican, you try to separate yourself for, from the Republican Party by calling yourself libertarian. But you're still going to keep those views. It's like people who call themselves social Democrats or social Democrat doesn't mean shit. You're just you're just you're still a Democrat. Well, he's still 
anti-war though right like that was one of the things i know that he's he's talked about on rising before too yeah w- which war <laughs> i mean come on a lot, a lot of people would say yeah i'm anti-war but then those they'll pick the war they want to be anti for, and they'll be pro war for something else, like the Iraq War, uh, the, the, yeah, the Iraq War, the war in Afghanistan, all that shit. Like I'm pretty sure they were all pro those wars until they basically came out. Oh, now it's it's become unpopular, so now I gotta basically erase my history of saying we, I was pro this war and just make up shit as I, 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 as if I never did it. Well, I think that uh, I've interviewed a couple of libertarians on my show. And I, I went on to Larry Sharp's show. I interviewed him and I went on to his show. Larry Sharp is one that stands by that heavily. What like else do you think? think about libertarians? Like, they always, like, they call themselves libertarian. I want to believe that they're, they can stick to their principles, but then they, they shift away. It only takes a, a couple of issues to make them shift away and they sound like a Republican. Mm. Like, I was listening to that uh, woman that was talking about the, the guns thing. And she kind of changed my opinion when it comes to, well, semi-automatics. I, I'm not a big fan of those. I mean, you could keep them, but just put, go at them at a, at a firing range, but they don't get to be, they don't, they don't go outside other than if you're on a firing range. That's it for me. But you could carry a gun if you want to. And I'm not going to basically persecute someone who has a gun. I'm pretty sure I would buy a gun if I felt like my life was threatened. I'd still be anti-gun, but I'm just buying the gun just to protect myself. Mm, interesting i mean i don't i don't feel comfortable with guns like that's that's just me though but that doesn't mean i think that other people shouldn't have it you know i do support the second amendment and i think that you know guns gun safety is is huge and it's crucial and it was really weird to me like this whole thing with alec baldwin that robin brought up it was weird to me like how could you not check the gun yeah, that that was weird. Like, you don't check the gun. You're gonna assume somebody checked the gun for you. I'd be like, uh, let me check the gun first. It's a it's a real gun. It's, a, it's not a prop. It's an actual fucking gun. <laughs> Might want to be sure about that one. Go ahead. See, one, one uh, of the Eric. things. Yeah, one of the things with with this whole gun debate is is that they they have us like arguing and, and debating and and what are we really arguing and debating about? The idea that. There's no serious person in the political arena arguing to ban all guns. You know, that's a caricature that that Fox News puts out there. I mean, that's not a real thing. The idea of allowing all weapons, like Second Amendment, Second Amendment, Second Amendment, you know, that we can have all weapons. Well, I mean, does that mean anyone can walk around with a fully automatic machine gun or a rocket launcher or a tank or a suitcase nuke. I mean, it's, you know, there, there's a line there and, you, you know, just you because there's a second amendment, you know, there, there's still a line there. So all we're really debating is where are we drawing the lines? You know, what, what guns are allowed, you know, what weapons are allowed and what weapons aren't allowed. Yeah. Well, some people, there are some people that don't believe guns should be allowed at all. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, there's no serious, there's no serious person in the political arena that elected. I mean, can you name one elected official who, who puts that out there? You know, it's. That's that's a good point. Um, well, there was it, one that was running for president, and that was Beto O'Rourke, and I think that really he really shot himself in the foot with that. Yeah. One. 
Oh, yeah, but even that wasn't what, what he was pushing. I mean, he was just pushing, you know, stricter gun control laws. And, What's he and doing yeah, now? I mean, maybe. Well, no, he, he said on the debate stage, he said, hell yeah, we're going to take your guns. Right, but that's not a ban on all guns. I mean, that that can mean, you know, he, it's, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he wasn't a serious character. But, but I mean, <laughs> this is my point. I mean, this is this isn't a real debate. I mean, no one's really pushing that but this is the whole game is to get us oh yeah gun this gun control you know and you know what are we not talking about you know the real problems would would you just say there's a certain gun that doesn't the the civilians don't need to own like the guns that they use for weapon for war wouldn't you put a stop to that one say no this one's not uh it's not going on the market and if you have it don't come outside with it Right. Well, well, that's kind of my point, is that no no serious person goes full out on the other side either. And yeah, you'll get, you know, gun nuts who, who act like, you know, oh, Second Amendment, any gun. But I mean, that's not a, a real position. You know, again, you know, grenades and rocket launchers for everybody. It's it's not a real position. Are you a gun owner? Nope. Okay, I was, was going to ask you a question. Um, if you have a certain gun, like why do you buy so many guns? Why not just have a a a, a, a finite amount a, a finite finite amount of guns that you can have at the household instead of buying over and over and over and over and over again? You're kind of wasting some people. It's a hobby. Yeah, for some people, it, it is a hobby. Like especially like you know when I lived in the South, like for some people that was just a part of the culture. Especially like some of the people I went to high school with they grew up hunting so they had multiple different like multiple guns and different types of guns like that was just a part of the culture so i, I it mean, was it, it was new for me too but it, it's not really that hard of a problem to solve i mean when you get down to it as far as like the, the ownership issue i mean you, you have regulations and you know there are always going to be some weapons that are over that line we can have a debate over which ones go over, you know, or under the line, but it's really, you know, it's not that hard to solve. It, it's the, the reason we have these shootings and these issues isn't isn't really because of the of the guns. I mean, I think it can be and probably should be ameliorated by having, you know, things like the assault some assault weapons be, you know, not not just be able to just run up and buy but i mean even that it's not that hard to solve i mean most gun owners even the ones that are into the assault weapons would be fine if he just said we're going to have you know some special regulations against these high power weapons and you have to get a higher class of license and some more training or checkout and and at least some of you can have your assault weapons to fool around with it's again it's really not that hard to solve and the other big issue in this is the um, is is the the NRA or actually who the NRA works for, and that's you know it's not even the NRA it's the gun manufacturers they use the NRA and Wayne Lapierre and all that as a front but the real you have, you do have this this malevolent force of of the gun manufacturers who just want to get more and more guns out there because it's profitable and those gun enthusiasts are are their big market so there is that aspect of it too that needs to be pushed back against i think yeah yeah i've never i've never i've tried to understand that part i was like maybe i'll buy a couple of guns but if i don't have the budget 
and the fucking bank account for it. Why am I wasting my money? Yeah, well, well, some people uh, do have. <laughs> some people do have the budget. Like, I, I'll keep six guns, maybe six guns, but but I, I don't need like fucking twenty five. Well, some people would say the same thing about Jay Leno. Like, why does Jay Leno have all those cars? For him, it's a hobby. You know, people people have different things that they that they collect, um, and we may not necessarily understand it, the hobby that they have. But people have different things that they like to uh, collect, and that's prob that's probably because in reality, uh, Jay Leno is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> then you see all the cars Bruce Wayne had the Batman and Batman Forever. But I think we need to really um, think about the underlying motivations that drive people to want the high magazine, multi, you know, firing guns, the assault rifles, the ARs, this, that, and a third. You know, if we had more mass shootings, and I'm not advocating for violence, but if there were more mass shootings in places where the elite function, oh, they would give you gun control overnight. But the reality is the majority of the people being shot up in these mass killings are everyday working class and poor people. Now, the reality is the Second Amendment speaks to a well-armed militia. But over the years, we've had the Supreme Court interpret that as everybody can own a gun. Now, that's not the strict construction that they want to apply to Roe v. Wade. Now, they will reverse that after 50 years saying, oh, it was not rooted in constitutional law and all of this stuff. But neither is there positioning on the actual interpretation of the Second Amendment. But that said, the whole polarity around guns has to do with a lack of trust in the government and the polarization amongst the various constituencies in the electorate. And um, Dr. Carol Anderson has done a, a really good series where she deals with the whole um ideology of gun culture and how it arose out of the slave patrols and all of these things, those militias that the Second Amendment was really talking about was trying to give, enable the colonies where there were slaves to deal with the uprisings and et cetera, et cetera. So you have that as a psychological underpinning of the desire to have all these guns. But the reality is, the fundamental reality is, guns do not make us safer. And we need to come to terms with that because we have people who are emotionally unmoored. And when they go over the edge, they get those high capacity AR guns and they go kill up people. And I do think it is becoming a trend because when they're ready when they get to the point where they don't care whether they live or die, they're so miserable that they're willing to take out as many people as they can and they do it. And all we can say in the aftermath is, ooh, that's sad. Ooh, we need health care. Ooh, they were mentally this and that. Well, what are we going to do about it? We need to come to terms as a society and say there is no need for these assault type weapons 
because when they are in the public domain, people are less safe. I'm at the place where if I see somebody walking down the street with one of those high capacity rifles or something, I'm running the other way because I know there's a potential that you might be, you know, people are getting shot up in churches and grocery stores and schools. I'm like, if I see you, I need to run the other way because you just might be the one who's finna do something crazy and I want to live. You do make a point about the, how they bastardize the second amendment. If it was, if it was for something else, why let the courts bastardize it? And, uh, are you thinking of ever making a channel, Noel? A ch- me? Yeah. I haven't thought about it. Um. Ooh, I haven't considered that. I just. I, I love hearing, hearing the topics when you talk about slavery and gun control. That would be one of them. I, I'd like to hear about it. Just you talking about it. Well, maybe I need to think about it. You should, you should definitely think about that, Noel. <laughs> you really should. Um, I, oh my God. Sorry, I turned on the wrong light. The light switches are mixed up. Anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room because I've seen it in the chat and I know it's it's going to come up at some point. Um. Someone mentioned it earlier on the live stream tonight about, I guess, the situation that happened with Bree and the Marianne Williamson thing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I honestly, I really honestly, this is my take on it. Look, vote for whoever you want to vote for. I can't tell people who you can vote for. I know who I'm voting for, and I know I'm not voting for anyone in the duopoly. You know, that's where I stand. And it was brought to my attention, I guess this has been two days in a row now, it was brought to my attention, apparently, there was some things said today. Now, I don't know about, like, the whole Vosh thing, like, I don't talk about Vosh, really. I, I think I've only talked about Vosh maybe twice, and I've been doing this show like two years. So for me, I, I think, you know, some people have asked me, like, where do I stand on this issue and stuff like that? Um, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I really, me personally, you know, who other people... I- you know, want to talk to on their might shows. Not, might not know um, what you're what you're referencing, so you may want to explain it a little. Yeah. So apparently, so like, oh boy, here we go. All right. So apparently, um, I guess there was some things that were said today. I, I have to go back and actually watch it because I, I only saw part of the stream, and then you know. I couldn't be on RBN Live today. I can't do RBN Live every Tuesday because I have meetings during that time. So I'm usually on like every other Tuesday. And sometimes one Tuesday a month. It depends if I have a meeting at that time or not. And so apparently it was brought to my attention before I went live tonight that there were some things that were said uh, on the stream. And I guess there were some things that were said uh, about Bree 
uh, bringing on Vosh or interviewing Vosh. And what was said to me, and if you guys have seen this, feel free to chime in. What was said to me, what was that? I saw the whole thing, uh, the whole um, the whole uh, Bree segment. I had to rewind it to to to, to hear about it. Um, some people said that CJ went after Bree. It did look like to me. It, it seems like CJ was just talking about uh, with he was talking about he would never bring Vosh on RBN, but if somebody else wanted to bring him on, that's okay. But that's just him. And uh, I think it was your friend uh, C, uh, JB said, "Well, it's not like." creating like an echo chamber if you don't want to talk to this guy. And CJ was saying, no, the problem isn't that he doesn't want to talk to me because this guy is like a CIA op. Why give him the exposure? Because he's not going to bring anything. He's not going to bring anything to the show, to, to coming on the show. He's just probably going to gaslight you and basically do the same thing he does on his channel. And CJ and uh, JB said, well, wouldn't be an opportunity to basically um, Make his make his fan base understand that this guy's a fraud. Just humiliate him. But uh oh. Hello. Okay, I hear you. Yeah. So it, it was a. I don't think I don't think uh, JB disagreed completely, but he understood the what, what was said. What was said by CJ. But CJ didn't have a problem not bringing him on the show. He's just he's not bringing him on. He just doesn't believe that uh, Vosh is going to be an honest uh, person. He's going to be dishonest. He's probably going to... He, he, CJ just doesn't trust him. His spider sense is off. Okay. That's not what was said to me, though. Okay. What was said to me is that there was a statement that I have to go... Again, I have to go back and watch it. But what was said to me is that there was a statement that some uh, that was made on the show that uh Brie is just entertainment. And oh, I, again, no. I have to go back and watch it. I don't know. Oh, no, um, I think DJ said that I heard something like that. She said that for her, that's entertainment, but it's not like she said that Brie's bringing these guys on just to say, I'm on your side. It's just that Brie's going to basically expose the person. That's how I understand when CJ said it. I don't think it was an attack at at, at, at Brianna Joy Gray. Yeah. So my thing is, is this, like you guys have seen me interview different types of people. I don't always bring on people that I agree with. I've brought on people that I disagree with. I interviewed Ryan Grimm. I didn't agree with him. I interviewed Andrew Yang. I didn't, we didn't agree on like half the issues. Um, and I think like for me, like I, I, I don't, I will not only bring on people that I agree with. And I think you guys have seen that. Um, so for me, it's just like, my whole thing is if I do bring on someone that I disagree with, it's to try to move them to the other position, to try to get them to understand where I'm coming from and like why, why I think some of the policy positions that they have are flawed. Like that's my whole thing. But I've told you guys this multiple times, like I, for one, don't want to just interview people that I agree with. I think that can become kind of boring. So for me, I like to interview people with different various, and you guys have been very vocal about it. Like some of the people I brought on, y'all didn't like. <laughs> like some of the people I brought on, y'all were like, oh my God, get them off of here. Oh my God, don't bring this person back on. Like, you know, I mean, Shahid Buttar has been on my show multiple times. Like 
people have been very vocal. They don't like him coming on and stuff like that. But I think that you have to hear a different opinion. Like you can't just hear what I say. You have to hear what other people are saying too. And the other thing is, is the fact that it is an opportunity to try to move that person to, to like my position. doesn't mean it's always going to happen, but I don't like, I don't like just talking to people that I agree with, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of like where I stand on that. Uh, who other people interview, I have no control over that. And honestly, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't. Because people were asking me, like, I guess after the show, people started hitting me up in like DMs and email. And I was just like, I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't have anyone responded yet. But my whole thing is, it's just like, I, I don't really care. Like who other people were interviewing I'm trying to figure out how does that impact me? And it doesn't. So I think I can only do what I can do for my show. I can't control what other people do, who other people bring on. I can't control that. Yeah, because you said, uh, let me talk about the elephant in the room. I thought you were going to talk about Rome. Because <laughs> it just so happened people told me that Rome's in rehab. I'm like, did he go into an accident or something? No, I mean, Rome's been very vocal about this. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into his situation because it's, it's his thing. Need to, but don't need to go into detail. I just need to know he's been why vocal he's about it. He's vocal it, about it on Twitter. I thought yeah. it was a physical thing. I thought he got into an accident or something. No. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's just, look, we all have our things that we have to deal with. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll let uh, Betsy get in, so. And, Alrighty. and as the show relieves, I think it is instructive again to realize that in this independent space, we have combinations of activists and people who are more leaning towards journalists. And so it makes sense that people who are um, deep in the activist realm, their perspective in terms of who they would bring on is a different thing than if a person is trying to be more of a journalist. And I think that's what sometimes creates a type of controversy around Brie because people would have her to be more of just an activist. Whereas I think the space she's really trying to actively occupy is more journalist than activist, but she wants to be that type of journalist again who can expose the bad faith actors. I agree. Yeah, I think we have to be careful about trying to make people be something that they're not. I, I mean, I've never heard Bree claim to be an activist or an organizer, not once. And I think that, you know, sometimes those of, those of us that are in the activist community, it is easy for us to say, well, why don't you guys get involved? Why don't you guys do this? Not everybody's built for that. But some of the things that people can do if they're not built for it, is they can give those activists a voice, you know, they can give them a platform. Uh, go ahead, Betsy, because I know you've Hello. Hello, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I, you like all of a sudden cut off. It was really weird. So I don't know what happened. Um, I'm pretty sleepy and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't like totally remember uh, all of what I was going to say. Um, it's It's been a long day. I have to get up early in the morning. Um, 
but um, but a couple of thoughts. Um, I I found what what Lucy did really inspiring, and and Roger as well. I don't know if Roger's still. Uh, I guess he's still here. Um, I I'm curious, um, Roger, if you could mention, you know, how many people were you guys able to register, and if and if you weren't, you know, did you at least get some some interest from folks? Were you able to? you know, sort of plant a seed in anyone's brain. I know New York is tricky because they have closed primaries. So I could see that, you know, that there could be resistance that some people, even if they really loathe the Democrats, they still want to have that power to vote in the, in the primary. Um, so so that was, that. Um, yeah. If you could let us know. So, didn't didn't um yeah didn't get that many people but at the same time that was our first time we we were just uh, winging it sure I mean, this, this is just really the beginning but but um, you had some conversations with with some yeah folks? that I think that's probably why because I once I talked to somebody you know you know how I talk I got I go <laughs> and, yeah you know what I mean so I just you should keep with... registration papers in your uh, in your car when you're doing Uber. What makes you think I'm not already doing that? <laughs> yeah. You know how many people I've registered? So how, of course. I, I, I registered a few customers. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Chess. Chess, baby, chess. <laughs> yeah. Checkmate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, really, it's really inspiring. And I, and I really, um, I'd say between, you know, hearing, hearing uh, Lucy talk about that, um, and and you as well, Sabby, saying on more than one occasion, it wasn't just that Lucy went and you know said you know spoke her mind at an at a town hall. It was that sh- there was an action associated with it, and I think that's so key because it really like it really kind of lit a spark under me. I have to say because. I feel like I've gone to I've gone to some town halls, not like this would pre COVID um, or to my congresswoman's town halls and also senators and my other like other me- like town meetings that I have in my little town. Um, but there was I feel like there was never really an action mm-hmm. and I never really quite thought of that piece because I felt like, oh, I'm kind of all alone and I'm. I'm the person who's, you know, the thorn in other people's sides and people get, get pissy at me. Like, Oh, how dare, how dare you speak up about that? And then, and then I do find out later on, there are a few people who are like, Oh, that was really awesome that you, that you called that person out. And yeah, that's what happened. That happened to us. Yeah. That happened to us. It was, it was mostly the, it was mostly the, uh, all right. So pretty much this is what it is. Um, just like, you know, uh, uh, Lucy was saying before that there was a whole bunch of seniors there. So you had, you know, the old, you know, the the uh, the old school, the the elders from our community <laughs> who were, you know, from that whole civil rights era and just know, you know, vote blue no matter who. And yeah, okay. they they weren't trying to hear us. They they was just like waving their hand, whatever the case is, you know, which which is expected. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm not even upset about that. Yeah. It was the it was the few who were in their twenties and thirties whose ear I caught, and 
who I was talking to. Mm-hmm. And because the thing is, it's like, you know, like, what's the, what's the best way to say it? I mean, it, 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 it's just that you speak to the brothers and sisters in their 20s and 30s. They know what time it is. They see their mom or their grandma and it's, they're going, oh, no, you, you got to vote. The only thing that matters is you got to vote. People die to vote, 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 Ugh. vote. The only thing that matters right. is vote, 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 vote. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 the younger brothers, you know, in their 20s and 30s, they're like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? I talk what I talk to them, and they know what's up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to get someone to, um, at least this is what I'm beginning to see. It's a lot easier to get someone to register independent than it is to get someone to register into a third party. This is what I'm seeing because the third party is like the mm-hmm. unknown, but the independent is mm-hmm. it's kind of like the anti-party. You see oh, what I'm yeah. saying? And, in, and here I live in Massachusetts, party. you know, like Savvy and, and, uh, and we have open primaries at least till they change that. So, so it's not, it's not like uh, really a, you know, for those people who, oh, oh no, I still want to, you know, vote for the, the, you know, the better Democrat, what I have that in like in air quotes, um, mm-hmm. they can still do that as, as, you know, independent. Um, so it's not an issue here. And, and then the other thing is, you know, there's still, we've got, you know, Massachusetts is a ballot initiative state. So we've got that. And like some of the, you know, best conversations I I had like one-on-one with voters. It wasn't even when I was volunteering for Bernie or other, other candidates I've, I've volunteered for in the past. It was when I was talking with people one-on-one about ballot initiatives. This was all pre-COVID. So, well, yeah, one actually was during, and I think savvy that's part of why the ranked choice voting uh, ballot initiative failed. I mean, it was, Right. It was horribly written. I actually know the like the lawyer who was involved in the language and he and he's like he's a great guy and he's an independent and whatever. He told me he was basically kind of like I don't know what the right word is, but he was kind of hemmed in like there's this legal language they have to have. And apparently they were using a lot of the language that. I think Maine had used. I don't know. I don't really know like the nitty gritty of it. I'm not a lawyer. Um, But right. It happening during the pandemic just made it worse because their whole thing was about doing this like outreach, but then they didn't like, they could have done outreach online and they didn't do enough of it. And they didn't go to the communities where they really needed to go. And I, and I aired those complaints and a lot of people had the complaints and it kind of, you know, in the end, it didn't work out. But I've but I've helped on other ballot initiatives, um, like getting the you know f- uh, family uh, leave. Um, we had the you know the minimum wage, like those things. And and so what I'm thinking is because so I I was redistricted. So my town was in one congressional district, and they moved us into another one. So I have a new congresswoman, who happens to be Catherine Clark whose daughter actually got arrested. You may have heard about that. Or she, she got, oh, she's, yeah, she was arrested and arraigned. Um, she apparently 
is like totally <laughs> anti-cop, which is awesome. I was so happy to hear this. Um, so Catherine Clark, as people may or may not be aware, is like second in, in command to, mm-hmm. you know, Hakeem Jeffries. Um, and I, and she's got a lot of power and every, you know, well, so she thinks. And I would love now to go to a town hall of hers. Um, I've only met, ever met her once and it was years ago for actually it was for a, an anti-gun rally. Um, back when I was drinking the Kool-Aid as many of us did. And, and I'm going to go not to try to convince her. So that's what, that's, that's what I was doing wrong. I would go to these town halls for various people in Congress and be like, Oh, can you, can you sign this, this legislate? Can you, can you endorse this legislation or vote for this and whatever? And now it's like, no, I'm going to call them out on the shit that they, that they're doing like voting for, for the war and all this stuff and pretending to be progressive and all this stuff. But the whole point is going to be, and I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to be out outside if you're interested in, in registering to be, uh, you know, or to, to unregister from the Democratic Party or to, say, learn about these ballot initiatives, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. So there's going to be an action. And I don't care if I'm the only person there doing it and people get pissy at me. I don't care. Like, I, I really could give two shits what other people think. Um, now, can I I've done that throw before. something out there? Yeah. Now, imagine if we show up at these town halls or any of these things mm-hmm. and we're coordinated and we have in our little hands our list of demands. The demands! I knew it. You knew you the demands were coming, huh? You read my mind. I would love to be able to pass that out, like leave them on the chairs for people. Yep, yep. (laughs) And and imagine if when you were standing there, then like what I would do now is I would just go through the list of demands and I would say, you know, my so-called representatives, you're doing nothing to fix. You know, I'm just going to go through some of the list here. Mm -hmm. You're doing nothing to fix big money in politics and government. You're corrupt. You're part of the problem. You're doing nothing to give us health care for all. You're not giving us a minimum standard of living for everyone. You're not even close. You're doing nothing to end the wars. You, you're you a warmonger. You vote for these things. Yep. You, you're doing nothing real against the climate emergency. You're doing nothing for criminal justice reform. You support censorship. You're doing nothing for immigration reform. And uh, I just think it could be really powerful to have just a group of people in a coordinated action saying yelling out these things and if you're going out to do it you know drop us a line drop sappy a line and we'll make something happen yeah i'd love to find other people um and if anybody wants to reach me by the way um you can do it through my website like erict.com has a contact form so i'm very reachable yeah cool just give me a heads up because my schedule is crazy um Oh, I don't even know when she's having a town hall and when, you know, all this is happening. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be her. It doesn't even have to be her. It could be, I mean, I prefer, prefer it to be, you know, my rep because then I can say, hey, I'm your constituent. And, and the fact that, you know, hey, my town is now a new town in your district that you didn't have before. So you need to, you need to learn about, you know, 
what people in this town think. And, and I've got friends in my town who are communists and socialists and like, yeah, maybe I could get them to come. I don't know. There's still a lot of fear uh, of COVID. So, so. Here, here's, here's something. So my whole thing is to, it, well, one of my whole things is party, <laughs> is party abolition. I can't do it through a ballot initiative, but yeah. I can do it through registering people independent. Mm-hmm. You can have the possibility of doing it through a ballot initiative, but I understand how mm-hmm. Massachusetts ballot oh, initiative nice. process works. <laughs> but um, what do you call it? Uh, 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 uh. But what you can do is just like, you know, there's a town, you start a ballot initiative, you, Eric Sabby, Dave Humans, uh, and, and, and uh, whoever else is in Massachusetts, you know, like, if you if you started or there's already a ballot initiative you support, you know, you can go to these town halls and just and just, you know, step up to the mic when it's your turn to speak. Or, you know, if you got a shout or whatever the case is, because they won't let you speak, you know, says, hey, by the way, guys, I got a ballot initiative here. This is what we're trying to do. And I'll be outside to get some signatures um, for this for these ballot initiatives. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, know, yeah, it, it's it's I'm just like so incredibly inspired by by what Lucy did. And like I just and you and you too, Roger. I mean, it's like really like I don't mean to be melodramatic about it, but I, I really feel like it was sort of life altering because it changed the way that I thought about about this. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, because I kind of, I gave, you know, gave up on that. I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go to like Elizabeth, like one of Elizabeth Warren's town halls where everybody is just clamoring to get a selfie with her. And it's, it's Basically, so gross. Oh my God. Basically yeah. what it is. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. totally. But um, yeah, the other, the other thing I want to say, um, yeah, is it's been, it's been a really uh, crazy live chat. I don't, I don't know much of it. You've seen Sabby. I think there's somebody uh, who actually is on the in the queue for um, a call, and I'm and I'm super curious about that. So I'm not gonna stay on much longer. Um, apparently, there's somebody who who thinks like that civil rights um, made African Americans quote unquote soft and and uh, something bad about MLK. But you know, I'll let him speak for himself. I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. I think he's afraid to probably say it to your face. Um, so, yeah, the other thing was, yeah, it was in reference to Brie and this thing. I was kind of like, I was on her call in last night. I'd actually never, I haven't really listened to many of her call-ins. I just haven't really had the time. But I I did, and I, and I actually called in. And Brie was, like, jumping down my throat. She did eventually apologize, but she... It's like all crazy because she was putting words in my mouth and then but but I thought like kind of CJ was putting words in her mouth and it's like, oh, my God, it just I kind of was like, it's kind of like you were saying, OK, people just vote, vote for whoever you want and like who, who cares and whatever. But my takeaway was that first just make all, sure you vote for those ballot initiatives. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> you don't need. Yeah, you don't you don't need to convince me of that. No, but I. But in the end, it was like all of this back and forth of like complaining, 
people putting words into each other's mouths, people who we should all really be on the same side, but we're like not getting along. And it's like, in the end, it's, it's, it's really a waste of time when we should be spending that time on action, direct action, mutual aid, doing what Lucy and Roger did. Like, and so I'm just, again, that, that was also sort of like, it just some, it lit some spark under me and, you know, I'm not, I don't regret like that I called in and, and Brie did say that she was, she's like, I'm sorry. I was take that she was taking out her frustration on me because she felt like everybody was dumping all over her about Marianne and, and that somehow assuming that she was like working for Marianne or, or enforcing <laughs> her. And that was not the case. And I believe her that she's not, I think Brie though, she's still, the argument she gave was, well, you know, it's still voting for the lesser of two evils and that, you know, like, wouldn't you rather have like a better person as the, de the Democrat, you know, win the Democratic primary? It's like, I'm like, they're never going to let Marianne win it anyway. That's like beside the point, because I which still I wouldn't think, Which I think we all know. We all know that. We all know but that. Brie got really, really uh, testy about it. And I think um, she had a lot, she had a much thinner skin than I thought she would have. Was there a lot of criticism around that? Because I, I saw, <sighs> I saw part of the, uh, yeah. wait, what day is it? Shit. Okay. It was Tuesday. Okay. So yeah. I saw part of the stream that CJ and Nick did about mm -hmm. the interview um, that she had with the panel. And of course the Marianne mm -hmm. thing came up. I saw part of it. I didn't see the whole thing. Um, but I, I would imagine maybe there was a lot of criticism there. Um, there was, but I think I hadn't, I, I think the part of the issue was that a brief brief felt like she had talked about this whole thing the issue for like, she said 40 hours. I don't, I don't know in what time period. And I wasn't privy to that. I wasn't like part of that. And there was, you know, there was some criticism on the live chat that it was, I don't even think she was looking at that. And actually, the topic, she made the topic of the call-in, this, you know, the topic from her show that day, which was like 2024 left, question mark, or so I forget exactly what the title was. So that was the topic. A lot of people talked about other topics. And so okay. when I called in, I was like, all right, this is a topic I want to discuss because it was fresh in my mind. I had just seen her, her, um, her podcast about it, you know, on YouTube. Um, but I, I mean, Shama was like, I, I agreed with her like a hundred percent with what she said. And I think, you know, Brie was just a bit prickly about it. And I don't know if it's because deep down inside she, she knows that Shama's right. I, I don't, I don't really know, but I, I could also see Brie's point that she was like, she was tired of everybody attacking her. And I get that. However, she also puts herself out there to be in a position to get attacked. And so I think that if, and you know, you can speak to the savvy, but like, if you're going to put right, put yourself out there and have this show and have all these followers that that comes with the territory, it's not ideal. Right. But that's why I thought she would have had a thicker skin. I, I was it. And it almost seemed like when she snapped at me, it almost to me. And I put this in the chat after I, the call ended that it almost seemed like a PTSD 
that she was mm. just something really, really triggered her. And it wasn't even like necessarily me per se, but it was just, you know, and, and as I said, she apologized to me and, but she was mistaking my frustration for anger. So she thought I was like angry at her and like sh shitting all over. I was like, oh my God, hold on. Right. That's not what was happening. Um, it was a very strange experience, but it was, you know, kind of, I was thinking about it today and it was sort of just troubling me. Um, why she yeah. still thinks, oh yeah, like this would be great. You know, if we, if, if like we had a choice, if there, there was somebody to the left of Biden and, you know, and it's Marianne and it's like, well, why can't Marianne just fucking run as an independent in the first place instead of toying with this? Oh, well, the dirty break or whatever it's called. Right. It's like, but I, I, there are things about Marianne that I, you know, even though I do like her overall, I, I have issues with, and I'm not going to vote for her. Like not, you know, not even if she was an independent, um, I yeah, don't know. It I just, think that like people, you know, yeah. the past week or so people have been actually been more than the past week, the past week or so <laughs> the past year. Like, yeah. Like people have been pushing me to bring Marianne back on. I've interviewed Marianne twice. Um, I know in the past. Um, but you know, and I was hesitant to do so because the reality is like, I'm not, I'm not for it. And, you know, I, you know, I said yesterday, I was like, look, I, I'll invite, I can invite her back on, but I think it's important that she knows what she's getting herself into because I'm not, I'm not here to say I'm supporting your run or I'm promoting your run. I'm, I'm not like, I'm going to ask tough questions because like at the end of the day, it's just like, how many times we're we going to put people through this. So the thing no. is to me is like, I don't have a problem interviewing her again. I mean, this will be a different interview because in the past when I interviewed her, she wasn't trying to run. Right. So I think I have no problem interviewing her. It's just the fact of like, I am going to ask her tough questions. I, I said the same thing with Andrew Yang. Like when, when he was coming on, it was like, yeah, I'm not feeling for a party. Like I, it's not for me. So it was the same thing, you know? And I think, I think that part should be known because I don't want her to come on and think it's going to be the way it was last time. Those were different topics, different issues. The first time she came on, she came on to talk about reparations. The second time she came on, she came on to talk about, it was on a panel, we were talking about women's health care. So this would be the first time that she would come on and it would be uh, specifically about her campaign per se. And things are different than they were back then. And it's just like, I just don't, me personally, I'm not supporting anyone running in the duopoly. And, and that's yeah, just me. Me either. I'm the same way. I and Brie, and the think, thing is, Brie did make the point. Important. She's like, that's okay if you want to go that route. Like, she wasn't, she wasn't um, putting anyone in a box. She wasn't, like, faulting anybody for not wanting to participate in that at all. But she kind of, she, she sort of was ignoring the, the option, I felt like, at least in her, in her uh, podcast, of actually, like, voting for third party you know well, it was like oh well you you know could support you know it's like someone like marianne or you could just not participate at all and it's like no there's another option 
And there's also well, like down ballot races. You know, the in, thing of is, course, is here's the thing. Here's the here's here's my ta- my yeah. take on this. I, I got contacted yesterday about a stream that I wasn't even on, <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck, like I'm just trying to work out. Like like I'm I'm trying to get my workout on, and I got contacted about a stream that I wasn't even a part of. And are you talking about one of Bree's streams? Well, it was it was the stream that Nick and CJ did. Oh, about that stream, and I was yes. like, the fucking people asking me for. I wasn't even there. I, you know, you I know, guess. Just I mean, if, if it, if it was, so. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, but I also have my own channel, which I had before yeah. I was a part of RBN. And for me, it's like I think you guys kind of get a gist of how I am. Like, if it's if I feel like this is something that I really want to go deep in on, I'll cover it. You know, as a story. For me, I think. Where some people may be frustrated because people reached out and said they were disappointed because they felt like Bree was endorsing Marianne. Then I also had people reach out and say they were disappointed because they felt like CJ and Nick were framing it in a wrong way. So I heard both sides. And my thing is, is this, I think for the people who are disappointed because they felt like uh, Bree was endorsing Marianne. I think those people may have gotten their hopes up in the sense that some of the episodes <laughs> that they may have seen on Rising, like when she did that dim exit like episode, yes. I think some people thought that Brie was moving to the space where she was going to be like, screw um, the Democratic Party. I'm not supporting Democrat candidates, period, whatever. But for me, I never heard her say that. And sometimes yeah. people hear what they want to hear. I totally so agree just, with that. Just because someone criticized the Democratic Party, if you don't hear them actually say, I'm not doing this strategy anymore, then you shouldn't assume that they're not going to. And I think that's based on some of the emails and the DMs that I got yesterday. I think that's where there was a disconnect. <laughs> I think some people assumed yeah. that. They were like, oh, she's she's done. That's it. And I was like, mm. Okay, I'm thinking the myself, thing is, like, I've, Brie, I've never Brie heard her say that. She did not endorse Marianne. I did not, uh, I did not perceive it that way in her podcast. And she was very explicit when I called in last night. Um, and she even was saying to me, she was, she, I did the same thing that she did in 2020. I voted for Bernie in the primary and I voted Green Party in the general. And no, I did not really care for the the candidates running green party i did it as a a protest um because you know our vote in massachusetts doesn't freaking matter you know but but there was no way i was voting for biden and yeah i could have just blanked it but but i didn't i voted green because why not see if they can get the you know the five percent um or whatever the threshold right, is here. but so, I, I think i think the problem is is that i never got my I, I don't know why, but I never got this impression that Brie was never going to support someone who was a progressive candidate. I never got that impression. And and that's the thing. And I think based on the responses I got from yesterday, people were like, apparently it was very apparent to me they did get that impression. And so my part of it too like, was she was really starting to hang out with RBM folks, you know what I mean? And it started well, to, to seem why like she was moving in that have direction. Her, why don't they have Brie on their show, like CJ and Nick? 
And then they could like huh? hash it out and talk about it. Well, they have had her on multiple times. But I mean, like now, the, in light of all this stuff that just came down about I don't Marianne. know. Like, I'm not, let me yeah. make something very clear here. I'm sorry, this, this needs to be said. Like, I'm just me. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying, I don't, yeah. No, I, I just, just this yeah. is something that needs to be said, though. I think sometimes that people think that because I'm a part of a group, that I know what everybody else is thinking and feeling and all that kind of stuff. Like at the end of the day, I'm just me. We don't always agree on everything. And I don't know. <laughs> like to answer your question, yeah. I really don't know. Um, yeah. Only, you know, I always say that because I, it just, I feel like it, it's better to have that kind of dialogue than, than where they're putting, like people are putting words in each other's mouths and people aren't actually, talking directly to each other they're talking past each other and like i just it's it makes it just it makes me sad and i feel like it has been like this maybe since 20 before 2020 even that people who are you know on the left quote unquote and yes i know there's disagreement as to whether brie is truly on the left i think she is but maybe other people don't think that that's fine it's whatever but the people on the left who are you know of course the like there's a love hate with jimmy Dore. some love him some people hate him and those people are you know almost identical in their views um i've i've seen that and i have mixed feelings myself um about jimmy Dore. um but i just i just wish just because there's so few of us like the left it just we're really small and it's, it reminds me of my family. I come from a really small family and like half the family, well, a lot of them are dead now, but they, but they didn't speak to each other for reasons that like a lot of people don't even remember. It, it's so stupid. Well, my whole and thing is, is this, like I, so the stream, I always say this, the stream that they did, ah, uh, shit. The stream that they did. Sorry, wait, who's um, they? Nick and CJ? Yeah, on Monday. I think that was Monday about the interview and stuff like that. Okay. Like, I personally, like, the first time I heard the Marianne thing brought up was when Brie had the interview with Shama Sawant and Chris Hedges. That was the first mm -hmm. time I heard that brought up. The next time I heard it brought up was when Brie interviewed us when we were on Bad Faith and she brought it up to us and we disagreed. Like, <laughs> me, Nick, and CJ disagreed with. Marianne Williamson as a candidate and so um we were pretty vocal about that like honestly like even on bad faith and then I heard it brought up again on the stream that Nick and CJ did on Monday where they were talking about that stream and I for the worst part like someone mentioned in the chat that I was in the chat yeah I was in the chat but I was also working so <laughs> that's something to keep in mind like just because you see me in the chat like especially since I'm also a mod I, a lot of times, like, I'll be listening a little bit in the background, but I'm working. I'm working remotely from home. So for me, like, where I felt she was supporting Marianne was when we had that conversation with her on her show. When it was me, Nick, and CJ, and we went on to Bad Faith, and she was bringing up Marianne, and we were saying why we did not want Marianne, that's where I felt like I that's where I felt like it was the push 
the push for Marianne Williamson. My thing that I was more upset with from that conversation was I felt like Shahid Buttar did a total 180. And I will tell I will tell him this to his face. Because Shahid Buttar, when he was on my show recently, he was saying the exact opposite of what he said when he went on to bad faith. So my whole thing is that's why I was confused. I was like, what the fuck happened? Because yes, he was saying the exact I, I also opposite. I was I was like, what? I was like, I totally didn't get it because didn't, didn't Shahid say, didn't he say himself? He's like, oh, I would never do that again. I would yes. never run. In so, yeah. So for those of us who didn't see it, Savvy, what was his flip? I've interviewed him like pretty three much times. what I just said, Eric. Yeah, pretty he much what like, you just said. But the last time what, I interviewed anti, him, he was like, it was yeah. at the end of November. It was the very he, end of November. And I asked him, what is next for you? And da, 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 da. And he was dismissing the, the Democratic Party. And he said he would never do this again. It was the exact opposite of what right. he said on bad faith. That's why I was so fucking livid. Because I was right, like, cause now he's like totally in favor of Marianne running and he really likes her and right. vote for her. And right. It so was like, you, what? How you say one thing on my show and then you go on another <laughs> show and you say the exact opposite. That's why I was like, what the fuck is this? I mean, people are entitled to change their minds, but I really, really want to know what the hell, like why? Like, is he back to drinking Kool-Aid? But see, this is the whole thing about integrity. It is about nuance. You know, when I check in and, and check out CJ, sometimes they're very um, activists. They're very straightforward. They cut and, you know, take no prisoners. Oh, this person <laughs> is this. This one is, you know, a waste of time. She's trash, this and that. And there is really rarely any nuance. And I think with um, Brie, she comes across sometimes as a bad faith actor herself in that she can frame some critique of the Democrats, especially having been involved with the Bernie Sanders campaign. And people know that she knows that the Democratic machine is not going to let anyone come through who is not the person that they have chose for the coronation. So for her to suggest that a Marianne or anybody else candidacy has a chance or makes sense to have somebody on the left to ferret out the issues, knowing that no matter what the chosen candidate says during the primary, when they win, as we see with Joe Biden, they're going to do whatever they, they are going to do. And they're not going to pay attention to anything they said on the um, primary or campaign trail. So then it comes across as, <laughs> are you being disingenuous? Because you know a Marianne candidacy, hell, a resurrected Martin Luther King from the grave candidacy would not have <laughs> a chance in this democratic machine. And people are looking for clarity. And so if you understand that this machine and this process is bad faith in itself, prima facie on the surface, then why are you teasing around with this idea of it would make a difference if somebody runs? And that comes across as disingenuous. And I think that's why people 
were antagonistic because they're like, girl, you know, that ain't hardly going to make no sense. It does Noel, not matter. And then, ever, but Noel, did you ever have the impression, though, that she was saying that she would not support progressives in the future? I never had that impression and I never heard her say that. I never had that impression, but based on the critique she has leveled and the understanding of the dynamic that she has demonstrated, it makes no sense that you would be entertaining, supporting anything within that democratic thing. She was a part of what happened with Bernie Sanders. She knows how the DNC operates. So to, to do this whole um, what is it? The dirty break or this and that. That's ridiculous. Why go through all that when you know that's what it's going to end up coming to? Because the DNC is not going to let you win. So why no, go and through I said it? that? And I said that to her that if they didn't let Bernie win, there's no way they're going to let Marianne win when she didn't. She's she's not going to have nearly as much support. And exactly. Bree's like, oh, but it Bree made it sound like the point wasn't to have Marianne actually win. It was really just right, as you said, to like, oh, let's, you know, or get her on the debate stage. The like that would be such a great issues. victory. Well, my yeah, argument is that I, I want to bring in Brent. Brent, uh, you just yeah, got to go. I'll, I'll, I'll hang up but... and I'll listen as I get ready for bed because it's super late. But, but uh, yeah, keep up, keep Brent, up the good work, Sabby. Thanks so much, Brent. Can you go ahead and unmute? Yeah. I, I just want to say, like, for me, I don't think the DNC is going to let uh, Marianne get on the debate stage. I'm trying to remember times in my life, in my adult lifetime, when there has been a, a challenger in the Democratic Party that is challenging the current Democrat president. I know uh, Bernie Sanders was considering that at one point when Obama was in office, but he decided not to do it. And so I just, I don't think the DNC is going to let her debate. But but my thing is, uh, I think for me, if we know that Marianne is not going to win, and that's not the point, then my thing is, then why not just push for someone who's third party or independent? Because you know they're not going to win either. So that that's just my whole case. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, um, I just wanted to kind of, you know, weave together some of the topics I thought were interesting tonight. The, you know, the discussion around violence and the obviously civility politics. I see a, a loose weaving of those two subjects together. I mean, to, to the violence thing, I mean, you know, I think a lot of citizens are just desperate and they respond in different ways. You know, there's been clearly a, a, a focused and deliberate uh, message of, you know, kind of division and hatred amongst each other and why you should distrust people and all, all sorts of topics around that. And, and there, you know, there really is in, in my lifetime, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I'm in my mid forties. Um, I've watched a lot of things. I've, I've got, I voted in one national election and um, I've never found national politics to offer anything. And um, just as a citizen, there's no national initiatives, anything to unite our country, no common goals, no common education, curriculum initiatives. There's nothing, no, nothing accepted among enough of the populace to unite us. And then, you know, you head into a, a, you know, a political structure and, you know, people who are, are sort of in control or demanding a civility from those who are the desperate, you know, and yeah. I think it's, it's laughable to, yes. to, to to think that is going to be the end result of the way you treat somebody. Right. And I think, um, you know, if, if you promise to do something to get a vote and you don't, 
I'm not certain how you would expect to not get questions about that, you know, because I've only seen two people that are willing to, you know, get punched in the face. And that's you know, like Ro Khan up periodically. And, you know, even even someone like Ryan Grimm, he's not a politician, but you know, he'll take he'll take the jabs, you know, whatever. But he's they're all doing all right. So they're like, whatever. What are you going to do about it? Right. So um, and, and for me, that, you know, kind of leads to me like as a parent, I've got some young kids and. I've talked about this a little bit before when we were talking about the COVID stuff way back, but, you know, I always tell my kids like trust is super easy to lose and really hard to get. I mean, you think of these politicians, the grind to get you to believe them. And then the minute they completely, you know, lead you to distrust, they're like, Oh, you can't talk to me about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. I think it foments some of the responses we see uh, in our society that are violent. I, I just don't know any other way to, to look at that, you know, that's a, that's a really good point, Brent. I think that, um, we do live in a violent society and unfortunately, especially in this country, um, I've lived in other places where they don't have this type of violence. And that's why I said, we have to really look deep into the American psyche and ask ourselves, like, why are we this way in this country? Yeah. I mean, I, it's a, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a collective effort. I mean, it's, you know, we didn't get there by ourselves as individuals, you know? And I think that, um, you know, we're left with, with little options. I mean, I know in, in my lifetime, you hear, you know, you hear legendary stories about our country, you know, doing, you know, what came out of like the new deal, like some of the infrastructure projects and some of those things. I mean, those are, you know, those have turned out to be like, you know, positive, connective things in our society, right? You can get one town to the next. You can meet people if you really want to, you know, and now it's like every story about every town is like, you probably shouldn't go there if there's more than a thousand people in the town because you're, it's, it's, you're, there's probably homeless everywhere that you, you might get shot. You know, it's, it's bizarre, like, you know, division tactics that I, I feel like are just psychologically damaging. Like, you know, it's, it's, I live across, you know, I live in Vancouver, Washington, across the river from Portland. And I, you know, in, in my line of work, I talk to people all over the country and I can't tell you how many people like, is everything okay out there? And I'm like, man, it is like, it's two square blocks of downtown. Yes. The protests, you know, to some degree expanded, but you know, the, the terror that you're seeing in our city was really confined to a pretty small area, but it was sensationalized to a degree that people that work with me didn't want to travel there for two years. You know, it's just, can we really, um, Brent, I think you make an excellent point when you diagnose the synergy between the polarities that we have in our culture and tie into the desperation people feel because the system that is the capitalist system has left them behind. But I think in a moment of just clarity for everyone, let's be honest. There has not been a period in what we consider American history that has not been replete with violence. I mean, from the taking of the land from the indigenous, from the enslavement of the Africans to the fight for labor rights, to the fight for suffrage, I mean, to the civil rights, there is not one thing in a in the progression of the American history that is not 
just decorated with violence, everything. And so I see it as, you know, to a certain degree, I almost see it as a denial or refusal for us to come to terms with who we really are, who this country really is, how the West was really won, what we're doing in Ukraine, what we were doing in Iraq. It is all about violence and it is rooted in a um, capitalism that says we reserve the right to extract anything and everything from anybody by means of violence. We have the biggest military budget. We're the biggest arms seller. We are a violent culture. Yep. And that's why when we um, allow all this proliferation of guns and especially military level guns, we have a proliferation of the police state. We're talking about cop city. This is, we're headed towards this explosive type of space. And yeah. it's because our whole zeitgeist is violent. That's yeah. who we are as Americans. Yeah, I, I, I would not argue with one part of that at all. And I, it's always been sad for me, you know, to be a, a member of the culture, I guess. I mean, it's how you'd say, I mean, I'm not a violent person by any means, but like, you know, and I, I think the thing that I always struggle with, and, I, and maybe I, maybe it's a naive, you know, sentiment, but so so much of my my own life, you know, just I meet people, a lot of people, and I just I don't run into violent people. So I'm like, I know they're here. Obviously, they're here, right? But it's like, are, are we? Is is that the majority? Is the majority nonviolent? Like, you know, it, I know that obviously, you know, you look at you know, nonviolent movements in this country. And, you know, they, they got, they met violence and um, it's, uh, it, it is so strange to me. And that's the thing I always, I struggle internally with is like, is it more people than not? Is it, you know, like who's the majority? Is it the violent or nonviolent? And to your point, like I, the reconciliation of the history is obviously first. And then, um, you know, I don't know. I just, it's like the hopeful thing you want to see in your lifetime is like some of the stuff just to be gone, you know? Yeah. And, and, and dealt with. And I agree. I agree. It's just, it's, you want things to improve, <laughs> especially as you get older, you want mm -hmm. things to improve. You don't want things to, to get right. worse. And I think that's what a lot of us have seen like over the past couple of years. So yeah. But Brenda, right. if there isn't um, anything else, I want to go ahead and no. bring in Anthony. Yeah, go right ahead. Brett, start a public bank ballot initiative. Love it. As we go to um, Anthony, I wanted to say I don't believe that the majority of Americans are just violent people. But what I am suggesting is we have allowed the proliferation of violence in the culture and the vocal minorities who are willing to be violent are owning the day. So we, I'm not a violent person. You know, Brent is not a violent person. Savvy is not, we're not violent people, but we live in a violent culture and the people who are willing to be violent are owning the day. They're controlling the narrative through the NRA and everybody else. And this silent majority is almost being held hostage. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not a violent person. I know I talk, I may talk shit. <laughs> like I'll read you up and down, but I'm not a violent person. 
Uh, Anthony, what's up? You just have to unmute. Just got to unmute your mic. Hey, hey, guys. Sorry. Um, I'm actually at work right now, so I can't stay on too long. But, it's uh -oh. late. Uh, but I just really was impressed with what Lucy did. And um, I, I think everyone needs to do more of it, like she said. And um, yeah, I've confronted uh, Rashida Tlaib quite a few times, and so so that she started um, telling, "Don't vote for me." You know, first she said, "Write me a letter." I said, oh, "I already did write you an email." She said, "Okay, well, don't vote for me then." It's like, okay, and uh, she keeps saying, and you know, I get kicked out of her events now before uh, they even start. It's kind of funny. So, I just applaud what she's done. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony, yeah. Can, can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? Yeah. So, you're in so, Michigan. You're in Michigan. Yeah. Why not? Why not start a ballot initiative? Start a ballot initiative to amend your constitution to send a payer and to start a state public bank. Because you did just say, I hope. Hold on one second. Anthony has a Anthony. You have a echo. Could you just um one of you has an echo? I think he's on Bluetooth. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just listen to Roger after this. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was just saying. Look, you live in Michigan. That's a ballot initiative state. You can directly amend your constitution. Okay, you don't have to. You you don't have to wait on these people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You I, you can do it yourself. You want single payer? Boom. Ballot initiative uh, to amend your state Michigan constitution to do it and to uh, do a public bank to make sure to build the surplus you need to pay for it. Also, I wanted to say, Sabrina, when you work out, leave the phone in the locker. But that's my music. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, that's my music. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. My, my Spotify is on my phone, so I listen oh. to music when I work out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. Get get an old school uh, Walkman or something. <laughs> <laughs> but so, something else I wanted to say though um, about this whole. Uh, Can't you uh, put the phone on Do Not Disturb mode? I think there's a mode for that on Android, so you might want to check that out. I could do that. That's a good point. Yes. Yes. And do that. Yeah. Exactly. And put a whitelist so the hubby can still reach you. <laughs> there you go. But um. I also wanted to say uh, we're falling into it again in terms of um, putting people up on a pedestal and um, wondering what this YouTube host is doing, that YouTube host is doing, and seeing, you know, looking for leaders. Um, the leader you're looking for is not on, like I said it before, like I've always said it, it's not on, you're not going to find them on your electronic display screen. You're going to find them in a mirror. I mean, whichever way Bree goes or however people think, whatever the case is, that's not as important as work we could do on the ground. You know what I'm saying? That's to, to, to put the work in, you know what I mean? And, and to actually, okay, well, that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. What am I doing? You know, what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? To, to, you know, to try to make this happen pretty much, you know? So yeah, that's, that's pretty point. much what I want to say. That's a good point. Okay, let's bring in Brandon. Brandon, you just have to unmute. You're on the mic. Hey, uh, how you doing, Sab? Um, I first heard you on Jimmy Dore's show, 
you seem like a nice lady. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just wanted to talk about AOC. Uh, AOC is uh, one of the uh, Democratic uh, uh, appointed darlings of politics. And uh, the reason why her being criticized is they, they're able to pivot to this. Oh, you need to be cordial. You need to be respectful. It's because Democrats and liberals, whether they're independents, because independents are just liberals, um, Green Party, they're just Democrats. They're not really anything different. They have made these people into lords and kings and queens and princesses as opposed to what they are, public servants. So AOC can get on TV and talk reckless or talk gangsta about like someone like Donald Trump. But if you confront her about the fact that she lies every time she opens her mouth, she claims to be an agent of change. But instead, she votes along Democratic Party lines with 70 year old white men. 99.9% of the time, suddenly you're rude, you're disrespectful, and how dare you talk to her like that? And, you know, I'm a registered Republican in California, and people have a lot of things about that to say about Republicans. I voted for Donald Trump twice, but let me tell you something. Republicans, I saw Republicans turn against Donald Trump when they didn't agree with him. I saw Republicans, I see Republicans are the fastest group of people. We, this part, this party will turn on even their own faster than any other part political party in America if they don't agree about something. Look at Mitch McConnell. Look at what just happened with the guy who's going to be Speaker of the House. The Republican Party is the only party. Hello? They don't agree with something or they do something that doesn't align with the party's values. Democrats can't do that. That's why you got people talking here. They're like, we need to change. We need to go confront these people we voted for. But you never hear them say, hey, why don't we just not vote for these people? It's always some type of little tweaking that needs to take place within the framework of the Democratic or liberal, you know, power structure. Instead of saying like, you know, uh, Joe Biden's a liar. He sucks. Uh, let's not vote for him. Or I wanted to support Bernie Sanders, but they sabotage his campaign. So let's not vote Democrat. No, they're still going to vote Democrat. They're just going to say, well, it's the lesser of two evils, or we need to do this or hold this person accountable. And Democrat people, liberals, they don't realize they can't hold their anyone in their party accountable because their party knows we have these people so afraid of the other side or any of the other options that no matter what, they will always vote for us or support us by default because they think that if they vote for the other guy, the world as we know it will cease to exist. And that is not sound political thinking. That's just fearful decision-making. I, for one, have been telling people for a while not to vote for them. Um, But I, I totally hear you. Like, I've been telling people, like, no, stop the lesser of two evils bullshit. If they're not giving you what you want, just don't vote for them. Just just yeah. don't do it. Like I, I I for one have been saying that, but I totally hear you that like most people on the left have not been saying that. They've if the progressive candidate doesn't win, they say, Okay, well, you gotta vote for uh Joe Biden, you gotta vote for Hillary Clinton, or otherwise you're gonna end up with a right wing uh, you know, president or whatever. And and my uh frustration is that there's too much focus 
on national politics and not enough focus on local politics. So all these people who were so much focused on Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and all that stuff, you know, now they're freaking out and they're like, oh my God, do you see what Ron DeSantis is doing? Well, yeah, but if you would have been paying attention to local politics, you would have known that these things were coming. Like, it actually matters who you vote for as governor. It actually but matters who you vote for as mayor. But the problem but, is most independent media doesn't focus on that at all. Most independent media is only focusing on national politics. That's a big part of the problem. And but, that's where a lot of us, like the support for AOC and Bernie Sanders, that support mainly came from left independent media platforms. They were the ones who even informed us that AOC was running. Like I said, had it not been for her appearing on Jimmy Dore's show, I would have never known about AOC. But nobody nobody vetted these people. And that's the problem with left independent media. One, Jimmy Dore is a total hypocrite. That's one thing. I, I do listen to his show sometimes. I mostly listen to it to hear you on it. He's just an old white man who's a hypocrite. That's it. And he tries to kind of oh, well, I want this and I want that while traveling around the country making millions in a very capitalistic way, right? Using his skills to earn money while claiming to be against capital. It doesn't make sense. It, it falls in on some. But what I want to say is these people, like, like I'll give you an example. I voted for Trump twice, right? People will say, oh, you, you're dumb because you're black. Oh, some Hello? things that black people received from Trump that benefited black people that Trump as president worked to institute that benefited me and other black people in America. No liberal right now today, Joe Biden's been in office for two years, over two years. They can't name one thing they've received in exchange for their vote. The same thing with AOC, the same thing with Bernie Sanders because they supported him. He capitulated and said, hey, go vote for Joe, right? Uh, he mm -hmm. said, so he said, go vote for Joe. No liberal can tell you one thing they've received in all these years of supporting these people and their bad policies other than higher taxes, um, other than being uh, priced out of their neighborhoods that they some of them grew up in and being forced to move to red states. I, that's where the logic just falls. There's no logic. It's void of logic. You're not getting anything, but you're can totally convinced that the choice you're making is the best. And that's when I look at somebody and say, you are not capable of making sound choices because you see the writing on the wall, but, but refuse to acknowledge or accept what's going on. I don't think any of us on this call feel that way, though. No, not you guys. Yeah. But, but even people who called in, they're still everything they say always aims towards this liberal agenda. Even when you talk about gun control, all that stuff. How about just being an American and supporting the Constitution for what it says and stop trying to dissect it down to the founding fathers didn't mean it. You don't know what they meant because you were not there. What you know is they use their guns to fight against an oppressive government. So when they said everyone needs a gun, that was with the understanding, yo. We need to fight against there might be oppression from the government. And in, in the event of that, we need to fight against that government. So when you talk about the Constitution and guns and they didn't mean this, you're just simply showing that you lack knowledge of the context in which these men wrote the Constitution. 
They, they, they were not you. They were not living on a social security check or going to work eight hours a day and uh, getting a paycheck on Friday. These were entrepreneurs who were willing to defend. They were fighting Indians and, and dealing with all types of dangers in the wilderness of America. You don't think they wanted a gun, They only, but they only said you should have a gun for hunting? That didn't even make sense. So people are just choosing to be willfully ignorant about our Constitution as Americans. And I love what Brent said. We, You never hear these liberals talk about what they want. All you hear them talk about is what the people who they worship, like gods, are willing to do or not willing to do. It's America. You you make a goal and you work hard to reach it. You don't just say, well, well, I do. I, I want to whatever just, Joe uh, Biden wants me to have. That's what I'm going to be satisfied with. And that's why I'm telling you this liberal poli- political agenda stuff. It just needs to die because it's 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 counterproductive and it's anti like American and it's anti life. Like this is like socialism. Uh, 1984 servitude where every no one can say anything that the government doesn't sanction. Well, I will just, I just want to add in here because I just want to make sure we're clear. Uh, we're not liberals. <laughs> so I want to make sure there's a I'm distinction between liberal. liberal and left. Yeah. So I, I think, like, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, look, I, I wish more people would be willing to leave the Democratic Party. That's been a big mission of mine. I'm still yes. trying to get people to leave. That's why Roger Meadows was trying to sign people up uh, to register as independent outside of AOC's town hall. Same thing with Lucy was with him as well. Um, that's a, you know, at least they're doing some type of action, right, to try to get people out. And my argument that I've been making, a, a, I think, a thousand times, and some of you are probably tired of hearing it, but the Democratic Party cannot win without the black vote. But at the same time, the Democratic Party isn't doing anything for black communities. So why are black people, the ones who are registered to vote, why are they still just woefully voting for the Democratic Party, the same party that doesn't do anything for them? And that's the thing that's really frustrating to me. Because black people's history in America has made them highly susceptible to fear mongering. So when someone says something dumb, like if you vote for Donald Trump, you're going to end up back in chains. A black person is so dumb that while they'll argue against having the right to have a gun in your house, because most black people support the gun abolishment, yet they'll sit up and say they're scared of being put back in chains if a certain white person gets put in power. People like we operate under a a dual mindset we we do cognitive dissonance where we try to live life based on two totally opposed ideologies and beliefs at the same time it's like today on my show i was talking about that with the idea of benign neglect black people say oh our country or our community suffered because of benign neglect which means people just didn't bother you and they 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 basically neglected you and abandoned you to your own left you to your own devices then the same people say that we are our community got hurt by manipulation at the hands of the federal government and i was trying to explain to people and they were going on after me i was like you can't say you were neglected and manipulated either you were neglected or you got manipulated and someone intervened or interfered with your situation in a way that that disenfranchised you no, we want to believe two different things at one time. Donald Trump 
is evil. The orange man is bad. He's a devil. He's a racist. But then also in the 90s, everybody loved Donald Trump. Every black person, Tupac to Mike Tyson was all up in his face, you know, going to his casinos and stuff, taking pictures with him and all that stuff. Oh, he loved us then, but he hates us now. We just we love to operate in fear. It's like it's kind of like we get a kick out of it or something. If they don't but scare I us, we won't vote at all. I think we have to be clear, though, and honest that Donald Trump and the Republican Party mean no goodwill to the blacks. It, they have you not seen not about the goodwill. amount. Let, listen. Have we not seen the amount of anti-voter legislation that start, these Republican states are passing? Ma'am, ma politicians don't mean anybody goodwill. Politicians well, that's what I'm saying. We listen, have no good options. No, I understand yes, the dichotomy between the Democrats and the Republicans all, and that the Democrats are no choice, but the Republicans are not either, no, no, which is why we on the left understand that it will take a third party or no. a third interest to come in between these two. The Republicans are that not the answer. Third, listen, see, when you say we, you, I'm black like you, right? You say we. No, you, you may be black, but you okay. don't sound like you're black you, like listen, me. See, see what you're saying? You see what you're doing? You're trying to tell me how black I am. No, I'm so, not. You said you're you, you said black you're black like me. Like me. And right, I'm saying just, we have different ideologies. No, no. Okay, okay, one second, uh both of you. Okay. Just let me respond to the lady who said I'm not black because no. I don't agree with her. Well, not well, black. If you would listen like we have listened to you, you would get to hear a complete thought. But you I've shout all you over me and hours. I don't get to make a point. You you're still hours. no, you're still talking. Let me you make the point. Three hours. No, but here's the thing. You when I am making a point, if you talk all over me, nobody gets heard. Now you get to talk and you want to say it all. And but my thing is people have a right to be able to respond to you, but you have to listen. You just and my point is I don't agree with you. And so if, since you don't agree with me, you get to talk all over me and interrupt the point. Well, you get to tell me I'm not black. I didn't say that. You said I'm black like you. And I pushed back on that and said, no, we don't appear to be the same type of black. There's I didn't say you were black. not black. I said we were black. not the same type of black. There's only one type of black. No, you, that's your you, opinion. Oh no, that's you your started, opinion. You started like with the black you started with the black on black xenophobia when you started talking about ADOS and all that stuff. I know people like you. But you what do you mean ADOS <laughs> stuff like that? There is a like difference you. between the descendants black of slaves and immigrant blacks. Rhetoric. There is a real difference. Black on okay. black xenophobic rhetoric where you're saying this is not black on black xenophobic reference. This is uh, about the fact that there is a difference between the relationship that this country has with blacks who have descended through slavery and immigrants who came here seeking opportunity, skin color notwithstanding. There is a difference. Like I just said, you are a black against black xenophobe. I no, I don't need you to try and put second, labels second, on me. I am not a xenophobe. You are. Okay, hold on. Okay, both of you. Okay, let's let's not do the name calling thing with with each other i think we can 
get our point across without calling each other names. But let's no, be clear. I didn't no, call there's names. There's no names being called. When someone oh, tells yes, you did. Black, when you called me a xenophobe, that's name me. calling. Lady, okay. You told me I wasn't Brandon. black because I didn't agree with you. I didn't okay. say you weren't black. I said we were not the same type of black. Okay. <laughs> we're so not that, that, you gotta uh, see that you got to be able to see that. Sadly. That being said, okay, one, one second here. One second. Um, let's not call each other names. Just I, I don't care who started it. <laughs> what name is being called? You got somebody telling you. She's well, Brandon, doing Brandon, Brandon. You did just say xenophobe. Sabi, so, she just did what Joe Biden did when he said, if you don't vote for me, you not black. She just did the same thing. Okay, so I, I'm saying to both of you right now, let's not call each other. You can, guys can get your point across. I really do believe, I have faith, that both of you can get your point across without any type of name calling. Okay, Sab, what kind of black are you? What? What, she, what does I'm that have her, to do with anything, Brandon? I'm, I got, I'm trying to figure out what kind of black we all is because she said we're not the same black. So I got to understand what kind of black Brandon, we are. I think at this point, I, I think you should continue with the point that you had when you were talking about who to vote for and people not leaving the party. I, I think you should continue on with that conversation. Right. So what, so what, which is what I wanted to do. So when someone says we don't have a viable option, okay, I live in California. I watch people continuously vote liberal. I watch people continue, continue to vote. Stop it. I watch people continue to vote for extreme liberal policies to the point where they were no longer able to afford to live in this state. And they had to move to Nevada and Texas and different places where there's a larger representation of Republican values, right? So when people say we have no choice, we always have a choice. You do politics, you vote for what's best. You somebody eating chips or something, but you vote for what's best for you, right? These people aren't voting for what's best for them. They're voting based on what the television screen tells them they should or should not be afraid of. Because if I'm black and I see a president who's like, I ain't messing with nothing. I ain't about to raise taxes. I'm not about to do anything. And I'm a man with a family, which I am. And I'm like, I don't want more of my check going to uh, the government because I want to keep my money in my pocket. And then I go vote for somebody who says, well, I'm going to hire 80,000 new IRS agents, which we all know that will put a strain that will give them more ability to go in and meticulously search people's tax returns and, and find people who might be slipping through the cracks or, you know, different things like that. You have a choice now. Your choice is not Democrat or Republican. Your choice is not Biden or Trump or DeSantis. Your choice is do you want to pay more money off of your check every week to the government or not? Do you want to be able to afford to live in the city where you currently live? Do you want to lose your house because because the, the, the inflation is so high and you might have an adjustable uh, interest rate or something like that, a variable interest. These are choices that we all have. But what we like to do is we like to, we like to play this like plausible deniability game where we make choices that we know will hurt us. But then later on say, well, it was just the lesser of two evils. No, it's not. If you look at the details, you will see that there's a choice every single time. You're voting based on emotion and fear versus voting based on what is best for you and your family. I don't I think any of us on this call. Preach though, it to the choir. I don't think I don't think any of us on this call, though, support what Joe Biden's doing. 
I'm, I'm responding to one person from one person. Yeah, we're we're not Biden stands. <laughs> No, I'm not Hell, that. most of us, most of us on this call are pissed off at Bernie Sanders and AOC and the rest of them, too. Yes. But when someone says you don't have a choice because one choice, the Democrats are no choice. Oh, and then the Republicans are no choice. No, you do have a choice. If you look at what people stand for, like, like, look, Bernie Sanders, he was a, I'm not a Democrat. Right. But when Bernie Sanders was talking about like uh, universal health care and stuff, I have family members who could benefit from that stuff. So I would have supported Bernie Sanders and voted for him, even over Obama, who sold us out to healthcare companies. Wait a minute. I wait a minute. Hold on one second, Brandon. Did everyone just hear what Brandon said? I yeah. mean, this this proves a point that I've been trying to prove to people. And so many people in this space told me I was not right. And I was like, no, that has not been my experience from people that I talk to. If, if Everyone you, just heard what, what Brandon just said. Bernie Sanders was a good candidate if he wasn't such a liar who was just used to bring the younger generation into the Democratic fold. Who wouldn't want universal health care? When I go to like England or I go to Kenya and I can go see the doctor and I don't got to pay anything but like $2, that's a great feeling. Who wouldn't support that? But the problem is when the Republicans do say, OK, we're going to support this Democrat guy. What do the Democrats do? They don't stand on their P's and Q's and say, look, we're going to support him. But if he doesn't get the nomination, we're out. We're pulling out and we're holding our vote. No, they just go ahead and vote for the next horrible option, which is exactly what people did with Joe Biden. Once Bur Bur Bernie wasn't in anymore, they didn't say Joe Biden is terrible. He's never been elected. He plagiarized uh, uh, speeches and all that stuff. They said, no, I guess we already over here. We already didn't uh, put on our clothes, so I guess we got to go out somewhere. That's what Democrats do. You know what Republicans do? They say, screw this, just because I... Okay. Since we agreed that we all would like universal health care, when Trump was in office and he had a Republican Congress, both House and Senate, they didn't deliver universal health care. Well, I think we oh, all know what the real problem is, right? And I, I hate to bring this up again for like the 100th time, but Seth. I think we all know what the real problem is. Seth. There are too many politicians in D.C. that are owned by Big Pharma. No, That's he, why we don't have universal health care. Listen, when Donald Trump ran, did he ever say he was going to give you universal health care? No. So when yes, he ran, yes. No, he did. Yeah. Uh, let me finish. He Please did. let me finish. Please let me finish. He never Please. said that. He never Sorry. said that. But let me tell you, let me say this. He never said, I'm going to give you universal health care. So when he got elected, you knew that was never on the table. What he, the one thing he did tell black people when you try to run for reelection was, hey, if you vote for me, I'll give you five hundred billion dollars. We didn't. We said, you know what? We don't want your stinking money. You know what we wanted to do? We wanted to take a gamble on whether Biden was going to stop being a racist or not. And we voted for him at 90 percent. Now, if you say we don't support Biden, that's fine. But all I want black people to do is do what our ancestors did in the 1930s. People think that black people started voting Democrat in the 60s. No, they didn't. Black people start voting Democrat in the 30s when FDR said, look, y'all coming out the Great Depression. Y'all ain't got nothing. I'm about to put in these programs that's going to help people who ain't got nothing. Black people were swing voters. That's what our people have always been. We just vote but, with what benefits us. But those policies, but those New Deal policies didn't really benefit black people either. At first, at first at first and then they they they, ch they changed them to encompass all groups of people 
and redlining and i want to because i did a whole show about this a whole show about this on youtube redlining actually came from the 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 new deal that's where that shit came from a lot of people don't realize that so it kind of pains me when i hear leftist let me finish it kind of pains me sometimes when i hear leftist commentators say i want to fdr uh, uh, a new uh, new deal uh, Democrat president. Nah, make sure you you understand what you're saying when you say that, because that new deal, that's where redlining came from. That's, also, that's where, where you social security came from. That's when you talk about the GI Bill. Black people were shut out from that shit with the with the New Deal. But see, the this is my my problem. No, no where my grandfather got a GI Bill and he fought in World War Two. They were not shut out. Savvy. The social security. Let, let, me, a lot let of, me finish what I'm saying. Let me finish what I'm saying. This is this is my problem. For a long time in left independent media, it's mainly been dominated by by white men, and this was the narrative that people were hearing. And I'm like, again, I have black grandparents, so I'm like, something about I'm like, what they're saying. This stuff is not completely true. They were talking about the New Deal and said it benefited everybody. Everybody got this stuff. No, everybody did not. It was not just black people that were shut out from some of these things that also included being shut out from bank loans to get home ownership. But it was also Native Americans who were shut out from some of those New Deal programs. And they never mentioned that. Well, go go ahead. Let me let me let Roger jump in. Go ahead, Roger. Okay, Brandon, um, I just put something in the chat. So just watch that. It's not that long. And, um, you know, that's about it. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. My grandfather built two houses in 1945 using his GI Bill after coming back from World War II, right? He was at Pearl Harbor the day it got bombed. A lot of the things when we talk about, well, this didn't benefit, didn't benefit, is very void of context when concerning the timeline, okay? Social Security, Black people benefit from that. Disability, Black people didn't benefit from that. All that came from that New Deal. So when you be like, I don't want the New Deal, you got to realize, look, things, it's politics. If you don't get what you want, you got to keep going back to fight for what you want. And then it gets changed, which is what Black people understood back then. Now we live based on instant gratification. Let me say this about redlining, Sab. Say we live next door to each other, right? And somebody draws a line and say, Sab, this is a red line. You can't cross this line. I can't cross. He, Brandon can't cross this line. Is that all of a sudden going to make you start acting like a degenerate, shooting people, drinking beer, using drugs and all that stuff? No, it's not. You're going to keep on being an upstanding person that you are. So your side of the line will be just as nice as my side of the line. Black no, people but it love, wasn't, but it wasn't let Brandon. Let me finish the statement. Let me finish this statement. This is what I always say to black people. How the hell can redlining hurt you if you redlining don't make you do violence in your own community? Redlining don't make you sell drugs in your own community. So redlining is an excuse. If they draw a line between you and them, just make sure your side is better. Redlining is not about behaviors. Yeah, redlining was about isolating the the places where blacks could move. That's called redlining is about the fact that if blacks moved into a certain neighborhood, the value of all the other properties were automatically devalued because there was a black in the neighborhood. So we should have stayed in our own neighborhoods. You we had have- no own neighborhoods. Yes, we did. What are you talking about? We did Harlem? not what have our own what, neighborhoods. We were relegated to what, what was, was left 
when everybody else had picked well, and choose was, what they was, want. That's what. Well, that in the black in black communities, let me let me finish. Black communities were pushed into the ghettos. What do so you what you have to understand? Let me let me finish, Brandon. Let me finish. What you have to understand. Keep in mind, when were black people most uh, prosperous in the United States? That was actually after slavery, during Reconstruction. Yes. That's when black people were most popular. What happened to those communities? They were burned to the fucking ground. No. They weren't burned to the... Yes, tell they the were. History. Yes, they were, black. Brandon. You know what happened to those communities? Brandon, Mother. you're going to tell me, you're going to tell, tell me that Tulsa... You're going to tell me... You're going to tell me that Tulsa, wait a minute. You're going to tell me that Tulsa wasn't real. You're going to tell me that Durham, North Carolina wasn't real. You're going to tell me that Wilmington, North Carolina wasn't real. Those communities were burned to the ground and they were not burned to the ground by black people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You brought up three communities and saying that all black communities was burned to the ground. Do you know that? No, no, no. Stop. Brandon, stop. I did not say all black communities. I'm talking about, hold, let me finish. I'm talking about the Black Wall Streets, and there were multiple Black Wall Streets. It, it was not just Tulsa. Called, it wasn't even called Black Wall Street until after they built it up bigger and better than it was before. Exactly, exactly. Wait, That's not listen to listen to what I'm Stop. saying, Brandon. Brandon, Brandon let me, let me you are this. ignoring the fact. You no, are ignoring the fact the that during that time, no, 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 no. During that time, when black people were the most prosperous in this country during reconstruction as soon as those black communities started to make more money than the white communities those communities were burned to the fucking ground sab what i'm trying to tell you is you are purposely ignoring the not purposely nothing no it's not let me say this what hurt the black community more than any black wall street being burned down was integration when martin luther king stepped on the scene in 1956 one in three black families owned a home the black economy rivaled the white economy and then here come this guy this grifter talking about nah you don't need your own what you need to be happy is to be able to go inside a white business and go drink a cup of coffee sit next to a white person and we abandoned our economy to go be next to white people that hurt but us during, more than but even fired. during that time brandon I, I get what you're saying about that point i get what i'm saying, saying about that truth. and mlk wait a minute and mlk did say that he had a fear he feared that he drove his people into a burning house so stop i do i do understand street. that point but what i'm saying is even before integration there were poor black communities particularly in the south that did not have the schools that had the infrastructure, that did not have the resources, and you had kids who were walking to school and the white kids got picked up on a bus. And I know that from my own damn history, from my own damn family. So let's 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 be so real. Black here. people can't buy a bus. So black people can't buy a bus. We can buy buses. We could have bought all the bus companies after the Montgomery bus boycott. Brandon, Brandon, at that time again. What funds public schools? Property taxes. Stop making it seem like we were broke. My grandfather had two houses. Many my black people had money. Was was like your broke, grandfather was my everybody family, else. Let, well, exactly. My family, my family was poor, Brandon. My, my dad's old. family was poor. My mom's family was poor. And they grew up in rural South That's Carolina. And my mom's family grew up in rural North Carolina. I, and they did not have shit. Listen to what I'm saying. So in 1954, one in three black families owned their own home. That's a higher rate than now. We had a property. We had no, I, Listen, listen, Brandon, I agree that black people had more back then than we do now. I do agree with that. 
What I'm saying, though, is this. Even if it wasn't for integration, you still had people, you still had white people going into those communities, terrorizing those communities and burning their fucking businesses down. Man, I'm telling you. Okay, here's the here's the kicker. So if you're going to tell me that never happened? Let me say He's going to tell you that never happened. No, exactly. I'm not going to say that never no, happened. No, why are you going to put words in my mouth? Come on. You wouldn't do that to Jimmy Dore. I, I didn't say nothing like you that. You know. What here's I'm the telling problem. you is, here's I'm the problem you is, I have with you, Brandon. You want to provide a one-sided so narrative, me. and not, you don't want to deal with the facts savvy, of the history savvy, that is coming to pass. There is nothing that I have denied that you've said. What you said because you true. don't listen. What Every I'm, time I start talking, you talk. I block you out. I don't even talk to people over fifty. I'm gonna be real with you. But let me tell well, you. Well, you know Brandon. what? Then what are you? Why are Brandon. you here? Why are you here? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Like we're not doing. I'm not that. doing ageism. I'm not doing ageism. I'm you saying what I don't do. do. He just said that. Do that. That's not ageism. Brandon. I don't do Brandon. that. Brandon. You just said you don't talk to people over 50. That's something I personally don't do. It has nothing to do with anything other than I don't do That's that. That's ageism. I have a lot of people in my because family. why? God. Because why, Brandon? Because the idea, the mindset is totally different. I let the, those people talk amongst each other. But you're the, saying the mindset vote for Donald Trump and all these other people, and they're well are, over 50. Listen, listen, have you ever tried to talk to your grandma and convince her of something? Older people are setting their ways, bro. So I don't bother. It's fine. My I ways. Let them and I'm do not bro. I'm her. But you, but I'm you bother. But Brandon, you bothered with Donald Trump. So what the hell are you talking, are about? You talking about? I support Donald Trump as president. I won't sit up so and have Donald a conversation. Trump, so if you had it, so if Donald Trump came to you, you wouldn't talk to him because he over fifty. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to him about. I wouldn't talk to him about. Listen, when listen when when black people ask Donald Trump for something, he give it to him. That's all I see. Well, we need this. He give it to him. Oh, I want to do this. He give it to him. That's all I know. He's good with me. Except as far as I'm concerned, they were dismantling the civil rights legislation. He didn't weigh yeah, in on well, that. Well, the civil rights legislation was bad anyway. So I, I wish they would have dismantled the it. civil rights some legislation was the only thing that I, gave us any type of parity no, in the voting no, situation. It destroyed our economy. Stop asking destroyed for handouts. We need to it was the will of this nation that Brandon, destroyed our right, economy. Brandon, we did not even have equal our... access to the, Listen, this is to why the public accommodations. This is why I don't talk to people over 50. They believe in that. They love over civil 50, rights. We know, savvy. There savvy. is something to be learned from us savvy. people over 50. And we and did hopefully learn. You we learned to never be like you. We learned to never be like you. Okay, um, I, I think it's time to move on. That's I think <laughs> well, it's time I still to love move you on. guys. I still love you guys. I'm not mad at anybody. But. Yeah, Brandon, I, I think you got to realize a lot of us on this call right now, a lot of us are socialists. So I think like your logic, bud, is not gelling with me. No, I'm not a socialist. That's why. Because I own things and I don't want to give it to people who don't work. I own shit too, Brandon. Yes, because you're, you're not really socialist. a socialist. You're not a socialist. You own things. If you were a socialist, give it away right now. You would be a socialist. I know socialists. That's not, that's that's not anyway. Brandon, Brandon, that's not even what socialist means. <laughs> I socialism know what socialism means. means. No, you don't. Yes, socialism I Socialism means, socialism means that the workers own the means of production. The workers don't want to own the means of production in America. Some of the workers do want to own the means of production. You don't amount. know what you're talking about. That is That's a why small we have workers. Then why do we have worker co-ops in this country, Brandon? They're if very workers limited. don't want to own the 
Why do we have worker co-ops in this They're country, Brandon, few. if workers don't want to own the means of the production? There are very few. That's well, there dumb. will be more, Brandon. There, there will be, be more. One day, maybe. But right and now. One day, there, will, there will be more. Like, honestly, Brandon, that's, listen, that's we came thinking. on here. You insulted a guest. I didn't insult you, you though. On, I respect you. Brandon, you came on here. You insulted a guest. You called them uh, xenophobic. Then you then you said you don't talk to people over 50. You That's are my, putting yourself in a narrow bubble, and that is not what I do. I don't, but I'm not you, and I'm not trying to say that my views reflect your your uh, position on anything. I'm just saying this is me personally. And when we talked about civil rights, Savvy, we agreed on it. And then I said, that's why I let people over 50, I leave them to their own opinion, because I understand that they were raised on the civil rights stuff. But now we have an unprecedented access to information and because we have more information we know better you know how they used to say if you knew better you do better now we know better so we are obligated to do better civil rights was a disaster that's why i'm in california and can't even go to a black owned damn grocery store because you know why black people too busy infatuated with going to shop next to the white man at sears robux and all that stuff i have a family that owned businesses that lost businesses because of civil rights I, my grandfather had a restaurant in san diego grants on second that thing closed down. You know why? Because the black people ate with them every day. Civil rights came. Dude, they went and freaking, they mm. could, well, you know, the North wasn't really segregated. California wasn't segregated like that, but there was still like a kind of like a. Um, un- well, no, well, no, Brandon, I want to correct you as someone who does live in the Northeast. The Northeast is very segregated. Right. So, and it's still segregated today. So what I'm, te- what I'm saying is we my family lost businesses because of civil rights where black folks who have uh, did business with us for decades got the opportunity to go do something with a white person your family is not the only family though it's and not the only experience yours. in and the black experience neither is yours my my folks come from texas and arkansas they were sharecroppers share but Let's they made something bad, of themselves bad, bad cookies you've been waiting a bit you want to unmute Evening, Tabby. How are you? Hey, how are you? What's up? Um, just flabbergasted by the stupidity of this Brandon fellow. It's just fucking ridiculous how dumb he is. But no, that's okay. um, I'm dumb. That the, anybody in the black community, people who got logical thinking and rational thinking, we're considered dumb. I'm no na- no uh, name calling. Sabrina said no name calling. Oh man, I'm not worried about that. Calling me dumb. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna move on and and get to the actual topic. <laughs> You're gonna insult then move on. You're going to insult them, move on. Make it clear. I, I did my thing. I said my words, Roger. I'm leaving it be. Now, Savvy, I want to come on here and defend my poor little Bree Bree because she's been getting a lot of shit on. So I want to I want to say that I've always said, like, for months now that Bree is a – she's professional managerial class. She's part of the system, and she's not ever going to give up her position in that system. Uh a lot of people are coming down on her now, calling her a traitor or calling her like a sellout. When all I got to say to those people is, please stop calling her a sellout. She has said it herself repeatedly that she is a part of the PNC class. She is not giving up that position. She is going to do things the way she feels is the best way for her to do the things she feels she needs to do. Now, that's not necessarily going to be good for us. Uh, on this side of the left, because she's not going to go as far as we would like her to go on this side of the left. But in the end of the day, she is a leftist. She's just not 
gonna be a leftist the way we are. And that's what I got to say about bravery. Um, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I just, like I said, like I've never heard her say that she was not going to support progressives. So for me, I don't, I don't go off of feeling. I go off of what people actually say. So like when I criticize politicians, it's because I'm going off of what they said that they were going to do, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's the thing for me. So I was kind of surprised. Um, the number of people contacted me and said that they were disappointed and that they were and because they thought something else. And I just, I was kind of surprised because I never thought that. But here's, if people did not hear what Bad Cookies heard so that his position and his understanding of who Brie is is informed, now you can understand why they would be disappointed because they've heard the articulation on one side, they heard the rationale and the king, the king critique that she brings, which would lead one to believe that she would be different than who she is. And so, you know, I understand it. But, you know, for the people who just might tune in and they've heard her say this on this program and, you know, cut the Democrats to the bone with this critique and then come over here and it's making it sound like, oh, running as a, to the left of, you know, Joe Biden might be a good thing. You can understand why those people would be confused and a bit disappointed. Oh, absolutely, Miss Noel. I can completely understand that if they're not uh, as uh, informed with bribery as I am, because I, I tend well, to follow her quite a bit. One thing I but, would uh, say to people is, you know, one thing to look at is who is the base? Who's the base? Who is the, and by base, I mean like the audience, like who's the base of Bad Faith podcasts? Like, do we have the same viewers? Like, because based on what I've seen, I don't think we do. Like there's some crossover, but little, not a lot, right? So so who's the base? And if you look at the base, that'll tell you where people are going. Can I ask a question? Sure. Does anyone here truly believe that Marianne Williamson can actually get elected? No. <laughs> Absolutely I'm not. Because I no. know that lady ain't got a snowball's chance. No, I don't think... I don't think most of us believe that because like, again, like I said, even if she ran a phenomenal campaign, the DNC will still make it so that she will lose. Anybody running to the left of the status quo, the DNC is going to make sure they will lose. As soon as that person folds, everyone on the left mm -hmm. supports the DNC candidate. That's and all. And I've, I've, and, and that's something, Brandon, that I've been very critical about, and it pisses me off. And, and honestly, like I'm, I'm tired of it. Um, Lawrence O'Donnell, Case Study QB, actually posted a clip. I think it was yesterday uh, on Twitter where it was Lawrence O'Donnell saying, "We all know at the end of the day, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are going to back the Democratic Party." And to hear that, it's just like, like I've said before, like. They ain't really about trying to make no change. Bernie Sanders said he was going to start a political revolution. How you start a revolution and then you walk away? Bernie Sanders was a great, he was a great candidate. The, the point I'm making here is the Democrats have got these leftist people to the point where they don't even got to show up for debates. 
Somebody said they would love to hear Marianne Williamson debate Joe Biden. Why? So whenever she lambasts him, the news could say, well, he just made a gaffe and he misspoke and Biden's trying to go and avoid COVID and all this stuff. The left wing has basically accepted kings and lords where they don't have to actually show themselves qualified. All they do is have to show up and say, uh, look, Trump bad or orange man bad or DeSantis bad and you guys are all on board. Look at the weird guy over in, in your neck of the woods, uh, the guy Fetter, Fetter or Fetter. That, that, he's not in our neck of the woods. Don't associate him with us. Well, what, Brandon, you act either. as if the Republican Party doesn't do the exact same thing. Okay, they play do. the exact same we games. Do. Then what's Why your Republican point? Republican debate. Tell me which Republican refused to debate. None. I'll wait. I already answered you. None. Exactly. Look, look at all the Democrats. That, that's Can not the point, though. My point to you was me? that the Republican Party does the same thing. That is not the no, same but issue. They, but they don't do the same. We're talking about debating people who don't even show up to let you know what they truly believe about the issues. The Republicans don't do that. At least they have the integrity to say, look, I'll get up on stage and say the crazy stuff that I said. Think about the, the campaign of Donald Trump. Donald Trump won his election in the debate stage with those other Republicans when he proved that he was at least more charismatic and had a better understanding of things than even Jeb Bush. That is where people win and lose elections. But if they have the, if they have the ability to say, I'm just not going to show up. How can people in good, in, in their right mind or in good, in good, with good intentions vote for these people? No, Donald well, Trump Jeb did Bush not win was... because he demonstrated he had a better understanding of things. He demonstrated that he could speak to that base in a way that would connect to them when he said the forgotten man will be forgotten no more. He spoke directly to the needs of the disenfranchised, poor, white Americans hey, hey, who vote Republican no matter what. Hey, he spoke to me, too. That's why I voted for him two times. Well, I just want to say, um, I, I just I just want to say, um, you know, Jeb Bush, <laughs> Jeb Bush was not a good candidate. I'm sorry. Like, just because you have the, the last name Bush, I think he was trying to ride on that. So th there's that too. But I think that, like, I want to be very clear about this. And and then I want to bring in Robin. Um, you'll have to unmute as well. There's no superhero here. None. Okay? There's no Green Arrow. There's no Thor. <laughs> There's no Captain America that's coming to save our ass. And, and this is what I try to tell people, like, at the end of the day, we have to organize with each other in our communities. Now, there is one person, like, I don't agree with her on 98% of the shit that she says, oh. at least based on Twitter. Laverne Spicer, she was a Republican candidate. I don't agree with half the, like, 98% of the shit that she, that she says. But you know, know one thing that she does do that I do support? She fucking feeds people in her community. She runs like a, um, a food shelter where she feeds people in her community. And she didn't start doing it when she was running. She's been doing that for years. And this is what I've always continued to say. And this is where Shama Sawant comes in. You have to give the people something. You have to help people in your community. You can't just be like, give me your vote and donate to me. And then you get into office and then you dis you dis you disappear. You, have to, you, you have don't to, know these fucking people no more. You, you have, have to vote for people. You have to vote for people who are actually who have proof of concept. They like Donald Trump has proof of concept. 
He's made a lot of money, even no matter what people say, oh, he did bad business. And so what? He still knows how to bring money in, right? And, well, and when one, he- Well, one thing I will say is like, when you said earlier that these people weren't vetted, and you mentioned like AOC and stuff like that. So having talked to someone who worked with Justice Democrats at that time, those people were vetted, but they were also told to change the story about their biography. AOC was one of the candidates that they were told they were told to change her story. Well, she was so, just a bartender. <laughs> right, but see, AOC lied. She wasn't honest about her background either. But but I get what you're saying that like these candidates should have been vetted. First of all, you don't start an organization telling people that we're running working class candidates. The real working class candidates that were part of Justice Democrats didn't get anywhere near the media attention or press attention. And none of those people won. Anthony Clark, for example, Roger, you probably familiar with him. Anthony Clark, but public school teacher in freaking Chicago, freaking does mutual aid, you know, all that kind of shit. Anthony Clark, they didn't give him anywhere near the attention that they gave to AOC, that they gave to Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, any of them, none of that. Paula J. Spurgeon, same thing. All the people who were actually really a part of the working class, those people were not given the attention. They were not on. The, well, Paula Jean Swearingen was on the Knocking Down the House documentary, but most of the documentary was about AOC. It mainly focused on her. So the thing is, is this, is that I still say this, Justice Democrats was a fucking scam. They took a lot of money from people, from fucking working class people, and I'm still livid about it. Go ahead, Robin. Oh my goodness. There is so much that's been going on that I want to um, ta- uh, talk about. Well, um, hold on one second, Robin. I got to say bye to Brandon or Brandon. I'm going to invite you to speak and I'm going to make Steve um, a caller because Steve has been waiting for a long time. So I want to go ahead and bring Steve in. Okay, go okay. ahead. Robin. What do you want me to f- focus on first? <laughs> Hey, Robin, before you go off, I just want to, I'm going to hang up. I just want to say thank you, Sabby, for the time. Thanks so much, Bad Cookies. Um, honestly, Robin, start wherever you want to start. <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, let me say this, you know, let me just start off and 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 just say, and, and I know that I don't think that this came up, but um, mutual aid is a Christian. Um, that's Christian. Mutual aid is a Christian thing to do. And I just want to say that right off the bat. Um, you know, the Bible talks about looking after the widows and the orphans and things like that. And so um, when people talk about um how you know welfare and things like that the my thing is as a libertarian the fact that we have to have welfare is actually an indictment upon the christian community because if the christian community was looking after their own widows and orphans then we would have to spend a whole lot less from a government perspective than, um, you know, what we're doing right now. So I'm, I'm going to lay that out there. That's my thing on that. Second thing, 
when it, you know, I've seen in the comments or whatever about, you know, guns and things like that. And, you know, and I know that I sparked a whole, um, you know, comment section about that. Here's my thing. Um, I feel like a lot of the things that I've been reading in the comments have been out of ignorance and I'm, I'm okay with that, you know? And so I'm on here to dispel any myths and things like that, that people may have. Um, but at the end of the day, I just go back to, you know, if we're talking about revolutionary change and things like that, you know, you're not going to do that. It's never done passively. Ultimately, there there has to be some kind of, you know, revolution exchange. Were you saying something, Roger? I said revolution. I was thinking you was going to say revolution. Did did I not say that? Oh, that was just, I guess, agreeing with you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we're in violent agreement. Yes, absolutely. So, so again, um, you know, a lot of times when these people, you know, when people are talking about these different things about guns and stuff. And so I saw a lot of comments about, you know, in the chat about various things about this gun and that gun or whatever, you know, what, uh, you know, and things like that or whatever. Uh, ultimately, you have to look at it like this again, w- w- and you know, as uh, as CJ would say, we, you know, when people are trying to disarm you, who does that serve? Who, who you know, what a, who is being served by them taking away these? As I was talking about earlier, um, these assault pistols that nobody's ever heard of before, you know, type of deal. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So just take a step back and just kind of focus on what are we talking about here? And who is really, you know, who is really being served by, oh, well, I'm so scared about this, this and that and the other or whatever, you know, and then you know, just, just take a step back and think about that. What are we talking about here? And then, um, oh, there's so many other things I want to talk about, but it's it's two thirty six where most people are. So well, let's bring in, kinda... let's bring in Steve too. Steve, go ahead and yes. unmute. I know you've been waiting a minute. Hey, yeah, actually, funny. Um, probably about a half hour ago, I figured I'd stay on long enough to to get on and and ask you if it's cool. Maybe next time um, you can pull me up sooner. Um, I'm just it's it's late, like uh, Robin said, it's late and in. So, I give you a speaker, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, a little stoned at this point, and that shit with uh, <laughs> that guy was fucking intense, and my head's just not in a space to have like constructive conversation about <laughs> things that I want to talk about. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so if, if, if I have that opportunity in the future, I'd love to, I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that was talked about tonight is valuable. Um, I promise, uh, next time I speak, I will not say 
the words Republican or Democrat because I think we need to have a much deeper conversation about where we are and uh, what we need to do to prepare ourselves uh, for um, reacting um, or rather uh, uh, engaging with a system in in collapse because economic systems not going to deliver for us and there's no election that's going to provide that um and uh yeah the the world's a crazy place climate change is going to fuck things up too so at any rate uh constructive conversation in the future would be lovely thanks so much for that steve yeah All right, so steve. I'll, I'll let myself off and we'll, and we'll chat again uh in the future and much love to everybody uh on the panel and in in the chat i enjoy myself in that chat all right, awesome. I'm going to bring on Jesse. Jesse, you're going to be the last caller, so just unmuted. Um, wow, this is this is spicy. Um, <laughs> I guess I just wanted to say. Um, I mean, I'm. I guess I'm here more than anything to learn and to try and figure out this world that seems like it doesn't always make a lot of sense. So. I wanted to say thanks to everyone who's here figuring it out in one way or another. Um, awesome. What yeah. all of this, Jesse? Say that again? What's your take on all of this? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I'm getting there. Well, my take, my take is that um, I, I uh, this is, uh, well, I mean, my first take is I, I really appreciate everybody. Um you know, I, including Brandon, I definitely think that I, I personally disagree with Brandon on a few points, but I appreciate him being here. I think he may have crossed a couple lines that do, do bother me, but I think he also brought a lot of very important perspectives to the dialogue. So, um, I, I followed you on here, Brandon. I hope you stick around on call in and maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll hear you on another show. Um, yeah, gets down. I mean, I guess I, these days I tend to think of things in, um, I guess economic models are communism versus capitalism, socialism versus capitalism kind of things. And that's what makes most sense. So can I ask him a question? Yeah, yeah go for it. Oh, I'm asking Savage or sure. I want to just go ahead, Brandon. What, what did you think about my perspective on all this stuff? I know it's new for a lot of people in probably in here. Because, you know, there's a lot of liberal echo chambers not saying this is one of them. But what do you think about the perspective I present? Um, well, um, I guess um, I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I think there were a few lines crossed that, or a couple lines crossed that bothered me. But like I, like I said, I think it was very interesting. I mean, I guess it kind of seems like I'm still learning about all this stuff, but I guess I would kind of the way it strikes me, Brandon, is that you kind of um, you're you maybe come at things from more of a viewpoint of um, your your values are around black capitalism. And I think maybe a lot of the other people in this group are maybe more um, multiracial socialism. I don't know. That's I'm I'm going out on a limb there. I hope that's not. Um, uh, you're smart. You hit the nail. That's on the not head. inappropriate for me to say, but I that's that's I'm curious to hear what people think about that. Roger. Oh, I, I didn't know he was asking me anything. 
Well, <laughs> well, I, I pushed to you because you were unmuted. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I was. I would probably say, you know, like I, I just felt that probably for about ninety eight percent of the things that uh, Brandon was saying, I think we we were already, you know, in agreement to that. You know, I just yeah. felt that he was preaching to the choir. You know what I mean? Or you know. I mean, that's really, I mean, yeah, there might have been a couple things that I was just like, eh, you know, whatever the case is. But, um, yeah, um, you know, the whole thing about the history before uh, civil rights and before integration, um, how it, how uh, that was one of the things that destroyed our economy because we wanted to, uh, you know, because the white man's ice is colder and so on and so forth, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, our communities were uh, burned down in the South before yeah, for civil sure. rights as, as well. So we've, you know, we've always gotten a bad shake in this country. But um, like I said, my main thing is get out of these parties. They're not doing us any good. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. Push these ballot initiatives. Okay. Because nothing's going to happen federally. Okay. Nope. If you don't live in a ballot initiative state, then try to become one, you know? I'm trying to do it in New York by trying to get people, because right now, like like I said before, Republicans are leaving the state. So that's gonna make these Democrats lazy. They think that they that they got this. And we, you know, we yep. these, these people are, are, are terrible. I think there's, I can probably count about 12 um, Democrats in the New York State Senate who, if given the opportunity, are looking for the exit door. But they need a, a, a safety net in their districts. You know what I mean? And that's what I want to try to provide to, so that they can get out the Democrat Party and push them from the outside as independents. But they're not going to jump through if there is no registered independent safety net in their districts. Sure. You know? So, I mean, that's, 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 you know, my whole thing, pretty much. I'm just focusing on activism. That's right. Same thing here. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I'll report, I report about like electoral races on the national level because it's news and I talk about news. But other than that, like my focus is on the local level. Like that's where I'm focused. And I think that, I think that people should look at the reason why I'm doing this whole ballot initiative thing where we go through all the states to show you what they won and what they lost is because I want to show you what's attainable. I want to show you what you can get, especially if you live in those states. Like, you should be pushing for this shit. It's January. Start organizing and pushing for ballot initiatives right now. Yeah. You should be doing that now. Like, it, mm -hmm. it, it takes a while to get these signatures, right? Yeah. So no, I we mean, like, we had we had whole Washington for to to work it. I mean, we're we're a ballot initiative state here at Washington, and you know, looking back, I kind of wish I'd put more time into uh i mean i signed i certainly signed the whole washington um state level medicare for all initiative but it mm -hmm. it was it came up quite a bit short but i mean that would have been a big deal but same time i was uh yeah i was trying to take care of my mental health and go um do 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 my own thing over the summer so but yeah, yeah so I, I agreed think that's why when people when people came to me it was like well marianne or joe biden and, da, 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 and i'm like my question is, why are you only focusing on what you can do on the national level? 
especially for those of you that live in BI states. Listen, none of these progressive policies have passed on the national level, but they have passed on the local level. And it's not just my state. I know I mentioned my state a lot, Massachusetts, but even in some of the red states, these policies have passed. So what does that tell you about the actual policies? I mean, if you have a state like South Dakota, which is red, red, and they pass Medicaid expansion, what does that tell you? If you have Nebraska pass $15 minimum wage, what Mm -hmm. does that tell you? And this is what I want people to really wake up to is like, I hate it when people say, this is the only option we got. No, why are you only focusing on the national level? Focus on what you can get done in your community, in your district, in your town. Like Betsy was saying, Betsy lives in a town. Focus on what you can get done locally. Sure. And I think was Florida, was Florida's $15 an hour minimum wage? Was that a ballot initiative too? Florida passed $15 minimum wage. I think it was uh, a year or two ago. Right. With, with the, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Anyway, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, no, as far as the as far as the Marianne thing though, like I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely in Bree's corner on this and I've kind of been paying attention to it in the last couple of days. I watched um CJ and and uh Nick and JB's while I watched the first half of the live stream anyway. And they, they were they were cool about it though. They I, I was I was saying my piece in the chat, but if people didn't see that, um I might the flavor the flavor of it to me was like the graphic of the the graphic of the live stream today the one today anyway you know was like you know clown show whatever and you know cj was coming in pretty hot and i i definitely question that a bit but this all gets back to kind of all of what's been going on tonight and i think we've been talking about a lot of just about how i mean that's kind of your theme of this theme of your calling is just the the um being civil versus being able to constructively disagree without um, attacking each other. And I think that's something I struggle with. And I think that's a tricky thing. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where the, where the, where the um, playbook for that is, you know, how to do that. Right. Jesse. I think, I think for me, um, I did see the thumbnail and I was just kind of, I cringed a little bit. Um, Yeah. A little bit cringy. That's, that's just not me. That's just not who I am. I mean, yeah. I think you guys know that. Like, if you, if you watch my show, I think you realize, like, just who I am, like, that kind of thing. But I think, like, for me, like, you know, everybody has their own uh, opinion. Like, yes, we're a network, but people have different opinions. We don't agree on everything. I do have to go back and watch that episode from today. Um, but I think, for me, I just, I don't... I don't I don't like to be contrarian without giving a solution. So if I for example, we talked about what Batya and Robbie said today. Mm-hmm. Or yesterday, right? I mean or, I, or, I, I, or I heard you guys talking about that, but they were on Monday and yeah. Yeah. Notice like Lucy was on tonight and I, I heavily mentioned like Lucy came with a solution. Mm-hmm. She didn't just come there and say, Hey, I'm mad at you. She came there and said, I got a solution. I'm going to register you guys for independent. I'll be outside. So meet me outside and we'll register people to change your registration to independent. Like, 
So that's my thing. Like I like to offer a solution because otherwise I think if you just attack people with no solution, no alternative, then I think what ends up happening is you just come across as contrarian and, mm-hmm. and, and over time people will lose interest because it will become the same old, same old. So, I mean, it's just, look like CJ does what he does. Nick does what he does. Like everybody does their own kind of thing. And then I am like who I am. And so when I do give those critiques, I try to offer another solution. This is what we should be doing. This is what we can do. This is what we can focus on, like that kind of thing. I don't like to just critique people and not offer something else. That's just how I am. Can I give a solution? Go ahead, Brandon. Okay. The solution I have is for everybody who thinks that something is a good idea, right? Whether you think universal health care or any of these things you want are a good idea. Try to institute that on a small scale or small level first. Try to do something, do whatever you can on your own to, to like institute something that you believe in. That can I tell you, you can I tell you a little story, just, Brandon? Just wait just a second. Sure. That way, once you start trying to do it on a small scale, you'll have an idea of what it would it would take to do that on a large scale. That's called a frame of reference. If I say, hey, I want to open a grocery store, maybe I might want to start with a lemonade stand first just so I can have a frame of reference as to what it takes to produce something, sell it, you know, be consistent with it and all that stuff. That's what I feel we're lacking in America. People who are high-minded, who believe that that you can do all this stuff, but they really have no frame of reference or idea of how to get it done. I think that would change a lot of the way we approach politics and everything else in life. And I think that that's what it means to be American. Do it yourself. And then later on, you can expand it to a national. That's exactly what we've been trying to do. That's that's right. exactly what we've been trying, what we've been talking about. Uh, I mean, maybe not tonight, but um, everybody knows that I'm, I'm the uh, state by state person that I completely am not messing with the federal national government. Okay, so that's what I, me and Sabrina, and and I think everyone else here has been talking about for for weeks to get it done in your state first. Yep. Be a ballot initiative, worker co-ops, mutual aid, whatever the case is. Jesse, I just wanted to send this to you in the chat real quick. Boom, there you go, and I'm gonna send another one because you're you are in Washington. You say that's so right. I'm yeah. going to send this to you. I was going to say too, a perfect example of this for people who say, well, local doesn't influence federal. That's actually not true because when as many people that bring up Obamacare, they leave out the fact that that actually came from Massachusetts. That came from my state. Obamacare was Romney care. It started here first on the local level and then it made its way to the federal level. So when people say that local actions don't influence, that's actually not true. That's one example you can point to. Another example you can point to, which also goes back to Massachusetts, sorry, but it it just is what it is, is legalizing gay marriage. Again, that came from Massachusetts. It started here first on a local level, and then eventually it made its way to the Supreme Court on the federal level. So I think 
when we hear people give those talking points, it's important to mention those things, give examples of where policies did start on the local level and it influenced the federal level. And I, I th- I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, um, I want Roger uh, in Texas, you know, our legislature meets every other year. Yeah. So on odd numbered years. Yeah. And so we, and then the legislature is only in session for like half of the year. So I would like your input into how we can influence our legislature for the six months that they're going to be in session for this year and then gone for a year and a half later. And then also, again, I know that this, you know, I keep uh, beating the drum about, um, and I'm not talking to Roger specifically, but I I keep beating the drum about, um, you know, people exercising their Second Amendment rights and stuff like that. But I just want people to know, just like Sabby said, that it starts at the the state level. You know, um, you know, uh, ten years ago, I think only a handful of states had. Um, uh, carry rights and then you know now it's like half of the states have carry rights now so you know if we're going to be talking about defunding the police and things like that or whatever or if we're going to be talking about uh, any type of action against the federal government um, in terms of whatever it is you want to do You've got to be ready to exercise your rights that you have under the Constitution. And so I'm just saying, be ready and don't just voluntarily lay your rights down. That's all I'm saying about that. But but Roger, I would have any I would love to hear what insights you would have uh, for Texas during our uh, legislative session. Well, we're not a ballot initiative state either. Yeah. Um, but the only the only thing I could, like I said, the only thing I could think to do would be to uh, build worker cooperatives. Mm-hmm. Um, build cooperatives. Um, start, build, proliferate. To box out, to replace corporations, and then. You guys become the uh, the new big money in government, except that money, that big money will be more representative of the public interest than a few, you know, than a few uh, people at the top. You know, that's that's really my only, uh, you know, not working, with, you know, that's my really my only option that I could think of. OK, OK. And, and just so everybody knows, uh, one of the things that will have to be. Uh, will be challenged with in Texas is, you know, and we've, t- you know, you guys have talked about this is uh, uh, Texas has uh, a BDS clause in their state contracts and things like that. So, um, you know, just help us as we work toward, you know, work towards that. Um, even before I was anti-Zionist that I, it was something that I, didn't think that was right, but um, definitely, uh, I don't know what we need to do, but uh, it that's got to change. 
Okay. I, I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> it's pretty late, so I'm going to get going. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much for calling in and great discussion.